Warning, this podcast contains scenes of explicit nonsense and lore. Previously on the Risen Evil Podcast. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to see it in the cinema, so I had to kind of watch a naughty version online. The moment when the truck driver walked into the RPD on fire was probably one of the most surreal, pinch myself to check if I'm awake moments I've had in a long time. And it, a lot of it just amounts to, you know, the front desk of the RPD main hall and the rest the of it's just blue screen. Yeah. Comes across as a little bit disingenuous from him, to be honest. But I enjoyed the first proper zombie reveal. I thought they got that spot on with the way the zombie turned around. I think another thing that makes this movie hard to talk about was the fan reaction before the movie came out. So on one side, you have people being fucking for no reason. And welcome to episode 75 and our anniversary special of the Resident Evil podcast. Ten years of explicit nonsense and a little bit of lore thrown in for good measure. I'm Nick, better known as Neptune. Let's see who's joining us today. He doesn't know anything and even if he did, why would he want to tell you? It's the investigator Batman. Hi. You lose, big boy. It's Stars Tyrant. Hi. He's DC <laughs> Douglas's favourite byproduct. It's Rombie. <laughs> Okay, now. <laughs> and he will lead you all to the mansion. It's George Trevor. Got, I got off there. Coming up on today's podcast is a very special look back on the last 10 years of Resident Evil, uh, which will be our main discussion with a small sub-discussion of the last 10 years of the Resident Evil podcast. We'll also be looking at some news as well as another exciting edition of Neptune's Biohazard Quiz. First up, let's start with the news. <laughs> Starting with Welcome to Raccoon City, oh yes, by the time this podcast is released, the DVD, Blu-ray and the 4K release should be out on physical format. Very exciting. I've pre-ordered, who else? Um, I've pre-ordered the Steelbook, yes. Shipped yesterday. Does it come with deleted scenes? Nope. There's a joke in there somewhere, but... (laughs) I want to be quite respectful to this film. I think it's had a hard, slightly unfair hard kicking... Yeah, I think our review last podcast was fairly, fairly balanced. Check that out if you haven't done so. Other Welcome to Raccoon City news, it's just come out in Japan, in cinemas, and that's bumped up the worldwide total to around $38.5 million. Still pretty low, but a bit better than it was. But Rob, you'll confirm, generally speaking, uh, Resident Evil does quite well in the cinemas in Japan. I think just generally it has, but I think it's more to do with the style of the maybe the previous films and it's the sort of movie that they might... I'd rather defer to someone else who probably knows better, I, I honestly. They've all done reasonably well. I can only do it from historic record, but why that is, I couldn't tell you. But I, maybe that's just a general thing about uh, game movies. I don't know how there's video game movies done there, but maybe they also have done reasonably well. It's just a, the way that the culture in Japan connects to video games much more readily as a general thing movies based on games do not have the same stigma that perhaps they do in the west either but that's just me spitballing no actual concrete proof of that Star are, are you going to be getting this in physical media just for the shelf no <laughs> <laughs> i knew that was going to be the answer 
In better news, Resident Evil 4 HD, the fan HD project, has now been released. I'm sure you've seen it in all um, media outlets, and we've all been reporting on this fabulous uh, fan project, which is basically taking all of Resident Evil 4, uh, upscaling it, but also adding com- new renders, new assets as well. Sean, you, you've been following this very closely. And the final release is a stunner. I, I've only had a briefest of chance to play it. Just did a couple of uh, tests. The separate ways cutscenes have been upscaled, and they're going to—they're about the best they'll ever look now. So they're not perfect, but they look neat compared to what people are used to. The game itself just looks absolutely phenomenal and obviously all the textures and everything better but the overall presentation of it the look the atmosphere and the lighting is the closest i think the game has ever looked to the original gamecube version it was the, the goal to try and keep the original art style yeah. as close to as possible just um, in hd i run out of superlatives to describe the, the the work that this team have done and other other than i just lament the fact that there's no way seemingly there can ever be a relationship between the team and capcom to get this version to be the definitive going forward because like the work's done but i appreciate there's all sorts of issues with related to working with in our fan mod i wish we could get rid of all this silly nonsense and because i i don't doubt for a fact you know that the project's been released for free so albert would probably kindly hand it to capcom and say you know do with it what you will albert's the guy who has been doing it because everybody needs to play this console people as well it's it's just a shame that some of the best work that's ever been done for that game is confined to a mod on a on the pc version so that's a good point about the restriction and you know as a console user myself you know these things are often out of our sight the silent hill remaster they're doing for two but particularly but but stars is right i've been watching from stars retweets he's really been supporting at twitter and, and their twitter account you can see i mean how it, this goes back over two years doesn't it the they're showing you that the the, the red and, and the way that they're improving, you know, just building new textures. And it's, 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 well, really, the, the main project's eight years in the making, I think they've geez. been, uh, as far as releases, and 10 years in total, basically, for the actual project. And it looks, so obviously it looks absolutely outstanding. You know, if he's willing, you know, I'm, I'm sure the sentiment is there because it's, it's free to the community to, to hand it over to Capcom. Such a shame that, uh, yeah, that's it, then going to be available to a wider audience. Yeah. The, the problem with it is exactly as Sean lies, which is even if you wanted to hand it over, there's, there's so much legal red tape tied up in it. And especially on top of the fact, this is the, the worst part of it is obviously that eventually, just recently, that news came out about some of the textures that are in mm. the game being used from a copyrighted disc because it was just a disc that was on hand that the company had used right down to you know even the texture in the resident evil 4 logo that then becomes an even messier thing because you're remastering some of these textures are going back to your original sources to for this fan mod when you're already dealing potential with legal issues related to the illegal use of those let alone the fact that obviously in this case they actually the most the insane part to me is that they flew to parts of spain and i think was it wales or wales, yeah yeah, yeah. It's the to, ca- to do Carter photos that's a distance to find the exact original photo locations and recreate just, that's just insane it's little things like in the island in the island when you go around certain areas what was like you, you can see a wine rack the wine rack is one of the most famous ones they've changed in every other version of the game the wine rack is a flat 2d texture which you can just about make out it's a shelf with some wine bottles on it it's a full 3d model in this version with 3d you know, bottles that are all individually yeah. wrapped and yeah I, I remember the first time they ever released one of their packs when they were going through and just that first video i remember watching i was like this is groundbreakingly different i can only yeah. imagine what it's going to be like when they finish it this actually goes beyond the work that's been done on the vr version as well yeah it just i run out of superlatives i really do <laughs> 
Just, just my only wish is just, just everyone could play it easily because there, you know, there are some natural hurdles as with any modern community and any and everything like that. You know, it's not just a case of oh, downloading it from Steam and it works. You know, you do have to download some pretty hefty files. You've got to look, know how your directories work and things like that. It's not complex by any means, and it's it's quite a large pack. It's about thirty eight gigs or something yeah. as well, and, and packets and that takes a while to download. And it, you know, it's, there's effort required to put in it. I guess the one benefit we have to really say is that Capcom hasn't been hesitant about they've known about this project for years yeah, other companies might have sent out a, a cease and desist yeah. very early on and Capcom has stayed quiet and I think yeah. that's a good thing they haven't sparked up debate and I, I think someone has, some a couple of articles have said in some ways they've quietly even and I don't know if people like Cat have anything to do with it but quietly have just said on some of the official things hey check this out have yeah. kind of advocated that it's they're okay with it quietly and just left it alone <laughs> and i think because they know it's not for profit it's, it's had money people donate money towards the project but only to make it work better and cost pay for the cost that they're actually putting their own dollars but it's not like it's being made for profit or anything like that and, and i 100 believe that if they had the opportunity and capcom did say look we, we we can legally work out all the nuts and bolts but if you want him to hand it over we'll take it i think you're right it probably would be doable but i think there's just too much legal red tape to to, to make it beyond a, a fan port but it's, it's hands down one of the most impressive fan ports out there probably since black mesa Final bit of news. It's come out today. Oh, yes. So uh, pre-order now for an 11-inch Tyrant T002 statue from Numskull. Uh, this has been doing the rounds on Twitter. I hope everyone's been able to look at it. It looks stunning. A very detailed look at the uh, at the Tyrant from Resident Evil 1. First in the range of many themed statues. So there could be more coming. Uh, cost uh, £80 in the UK. Release date of the 30th of July. Who's tempted? It's done. No! <laughs> <laughs> I, can't, yeah. I can't i can't pass it up nick it's my namesake for fuck's sake <laughs> look at it i mean i just the only thing that I'm, I'm dubious about when you order things like this in advance is that there is that disclaimer which is prototype model details subject to change and i'm thinking god i hope the finished product isn't an absolute disaster it'll have a hat on oh, fuck <laughs> no. yeah. if, oh wow if it has a hat, it'll be a, it'll be a, a hat you can take off in- in an like, ideal so world, <laughs> I would love the the Super Tyrant from RE2 because that's where I, I'd sort of decided that my online username would be Tyrant because of the, the T103 on fire in Resident Evil 2. And I just know for a fact that if they then do RE2's Super Tyrant, it'll be from 2R, which I really don't like that design at all. You know, all the hat jokes notwithstanding, we'll talk about the Super Tyrant. I don't think that design's anywhere near as iconic or anything. So, yeah, this one looks neat, though. Really yeah, does. It does. I'm not normally into this stuff. I've just seen, I'm just looking at it now for the first time. Nighthawk has retweeted it on Twitter here. It looks beautiful. The detail, the veins, it, it, it looks very, very good. And it's not that expensive as well. It's not so ridiculously expensive that you go, no. For the size of it as well. And they've confirmed today on Twitter that it's uh, PVC material. I'd love them to do an entire Tyrant range. Oh, well, yeah. At that point, you wouldn't want just a Tyrant range. You'd probably want a bio-weapon range. You want a hunter and liquor. Yeah. And... It does make you wonder what the next ones are going to be is it going to just strictly be bows or they're going to do some of the characters and this was a slight put off for me just because i know what i'm like so if i pre-ordered this one when the next one is announced you're going to want to order them and i'm going to want all of them I'm, and i'm not I, I don't fancy getting divorced quite frankly <laughs> so yeah i'll keep an eye on it i may still pre-order though <laughs> 
There we go. That is all the gaming news. We now quickly move over to site news, which we're going to incorporate into our main sub discussion. First up, we just want to say thank you to our new patrons who have joined us since the last podcast. Walk Different, Zane Stemple and Mish. Thank you so much for all your help and support with Patreon. It's very much appreciated. Anyone is interested in Patreon and uh, the benefits you get for joining our little community, then head over uh, to our website and you should be able to find a link to our Patreon on there. But we now look at our main sub-discussion, which is a bit of a intro, uh, retrospective look back on the Resident Evil podcast, because as of last month, we have been running for 10 years, and no doubt you would have seen the release of our Best Bits podcast. We hope everyone enjoyed it. It was fun to put together, and it was uh, certainly fun to listen back to some of the highlights and lowlights uh, that have uh, graced the airwaves for the past 10 years. What we wanted to do now was just have a quick bit of a chin wag about the podcast, how it came to be, because it was something me and Batman and George, you were, you were there right at the beginning to uh, put this all together and how terrible it was really at the very beginning. Well, you can um, all blame Batman because I, I'm, I just remember it was John that suggested, <laughs> like, George, would you like to come on board? You, and he, you know, you, you know a few people in the forums uh, and uh, yeah, so you can all blame John for that, for my inclusion. <laughs> <laughs> a necessary inclusion, I feel, George. I mean, the the beauty of it is that I mean, it's amazing that we're still going, quite frankly. But and it's um, when when I say to people, "Oh, I host a podcast on Resident Evil," people are amazed that there's, we have enough to talk about. But here we are, and um, that's testament to the series more so than us. But it's been a really good, fun last ten years. I think it's been a nice way to talk about something that we all have a strong passionate belief in and being able to share that with the world has been a, been a really nice experience and of course it's been great getting to know all you guys and obviously all, all becoming good friends meeting up getting drunk <laughs> having parties it's you know without standing too sentimental you know we've we've progressed quite a lot in the past 10 years as well you know being able to have our own website the kind of rebrand and and john's mythology as well i think it sets apart you know in terms of what we can offer and we hope the community likes it uh john i mean obviously you were you were there at the beginning with us all i'm trying to think what you know the, 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 those preliminary conversations we had when we thought about doing it because it all started with the the rpd dispatch really didn't it which was from the horrors alive yeah i was a big fan of the rpd dispatch especially the early episodes which were all recorded in the um to sort of build up to resident evil 5's release and it was obviously a very exciting time for the community but i, I enjoyed the sub discussions they had i think they did one on the original trilogy and code veronica and they were just really good and you know the later episodes sort of moved away from resident evil slightly i think because i think the fire team were collectively quite disappointed in how resident evil 5 ultimately turned out and the podcast sort of lost a little bit of its focus after that. So when I was planning this one in 2000, late 2011, I wanted to sort of use the early RPD dispatch as a template, but because, you know, our focus at Project Umbrella at the time was, you know, the law and going into quite in-depth discussions on the forums, I wanted it to be, you know, more serious and, and be educational as well as, you know, enjoyable to listen to. And also it was a way for people like myself and you, Nick, you know, we were getting a little bit older. We had less and less free time to spend hours every day on forums. You know, I thought it was a 
good way for people like us to still be engaged with the community and still have in-depth discussions, you know, without having to spend six or seven hours a day at a computer, really. So that was that was certainly my thoughts behind it. And then obviously you had your own input and the quiz, of course, is, is your creation, which was probably the most popular part of the podcast, you know, throughout the 10 years we've been going. Personally, I owe a big debt to Dot Fifty Cal and Carnival and the, the early days of the RPD Dispatch, because that's if I hadn't have come across that, I don't think ours would have got going at all. Absolutely true. And I remember when we were thinking about the templates of how we we're going to do podcasts, it was all very much quite, quite serious. And I was a bit concerned it would be a bit too dry. So I thought we, we, we needed something just to lighten it up at the end. And I'm very mm. much into our pub quizzes, uh, which is why in the early podcast, we use Bruce Forsyth's Play Your Cards Right theme tune, because that's what my local pub uses for their pub quizzes at the end. So I thought, oh, we'll, we'll use that because, you know, the, the quiz... And, and the news as well, because that's always a bit lighthearted as well. It gives a nice balance towards what we usually have in the middle. But then, yeah, one of the one of the focuses, obviously, the, I say the original three, and um, I include Mr. Spencer because he's part of the he's part of the team. He's just taking a, a slight break. But we wanted to have guests on as well, and that was to really expand upon people's own uh, experiences with biohazard and what they could bring. That's where uh, Romby and Stars Tyrant certainly come into the four. Sean, you were part of episode four and uh, 15, I think? 11, I think it was. 11, was it? There is absolutely no doubt when you go back and listen to episode four that your presence it, it it just it it kind of felt right. I think is probably the best way of describing it. And, I hope uh, so because I I pretty much uh, you know begged to be on that episode when I found out you were did. covering Dead Aim. And yeah, it was one of the best decisions I ever did. But yeah, thank you for the opportunity, guys. It's been uh, it's been great. And in some ways, I can't believe. I think episode four debuted in April 2012, so we're nearly coming up to ten years of that date. And in some ways, it really doesn't feel like that at all. No. Absolutely not, absolutely not. And Rob as well, of course, did a cu- you did a couple of guest stints before mm. becoming permanent. Back when we kind of, when we kind of like did the we rebranded, well not rebranded, but we did the, the rejig, didn't we? In episode twenty five, um, you were you were there permanently, and and again, I think any anyway, if you listen to the early ones, some are a bit cringe, and some of the guests we probably shouldn't have had on, but that's that's neither here nor there. But we really do get going. We're not just saying this because this is you know the, the core team has stuck together since episode twenty five, but everything gels. After after our kind of little mini break after episode 24 so from episode 25 everything everything just kind of comes together i think we were finding our feet all the way up to that point and there's there's lots of things i look back on and go oh god don't ever do that but you know that that's that's the history of it and i think the team that we have now and i do include mr spencer with that for many many reasons is a very good team and i think we'll hopefully bring different things to the to, to the equation without getting too sentimental something that i just enjoy is just a small thing i mean obviously it's just for me it's a, it's a privilege to share this platform with commentators of the law that can pick these things up that, that sometimes sort of pass me by or um, I don't quite get a handle on and, and I'm sure we all do we kind of learn from each other and, and I, I may maybe some of us do more learning than the others but you know there have been certain times listening you know stars with regard to his, his timeline Wombi you know just fantastic knowledge of early development of the games and, and John you know we all sat back and just literally just joy listening to tell the narrative of the RPD you know assault and precinct type uh, scenes but for me the very first Resident Evil podcast I ever came across was uh, 
uh, Resident Evil A New Blood and this chap called Rombie and seeing his sort of um, just the, the like these diary entries of, of, the, of the various games and, and then obviously you disappeared from the community for a while because I remember around Resident Evil 5 you just sort of stopped kind of doing some updates so you know all these years later mm. to be sharing a podcast with you is, 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 is cool 5 really just threw a lot of us we were just like I remember having those conversations and I was like I can't I don't have the time to keep maintaining a website my enthusiasm had definitely somewhat dulled off the back of it it never really quite thought in my head that kind of those two things did line up perfectly until now GT it's quite funny <laughs> but yeah it was one of those things it, it's like what you guys were talking about in regards to the podcast you know and what John said about not having enough time to spend six hours looking at forums and communicating when I first started those websites it, it was like a full-time job I was emailing messaging people responding to conversations looking after forums, writing news posts, writing content, designing graphics. And it really does take a lot of time. It's things like new media and videos and podcasts and stuff that kind of allow us to communicate. And it's great having a community that listens to what we're saying and, and wants to engage and have a conversation and feels like they can be open and honest and talk to us because I think in some way you were saying that George is like this reverence to like oh here's a here's a guy who ran a website that I really like well, I never thought I was going to ever have a chat, chance to chat to him but hopefully I'm not an unapproachable <laughs> I don't think I've ever felt like I've been an unapproachable or on that level I've always just thought oh I just ran a website I'm glad some people liked it you know it ran a course for 10 years or so and and that was it you know like <laughs> <laughs> so I appreciate it but honestly I've I'd be far too modest to, to try and say, <laughs> oh yeah, fill, fill some big boots or something, you know. But no, yeah. and, and and joining this too, you know, same thing. It's it's like I, I got a message saying, hey, we're doing an episode on Survivor. We think you know a reason about, about the game. <laughs> Would you like to come on and have a chat? And I'm just like, oh yeah, yeah. I had the same, you know, the same, it was the same way I was approached for coming on a few episodes of The Dispatch as well. Just like, oh, you know about this? Do you want to chat about it? Yeah, sounds good. Why not? No, no, no shame in sitting down for a couple of hours and having a laugh. You know, as as Nick said, you know, coming back for the the twenty fifth episode and being here ever since is just because I got asked. And I thought, you know what, I had a lot of fun the times that I appeared. Let's see how this goes. I haven't. And we're still here. Regretted. I'm still <laughs> we here. I haven't. Re I, I haven't regretted the decision. I, it's, it's like I'm like sitting here going, "Oh, you guys are so so much assholes, man. What am I dealing with this shit?" <laughs> so I'd like to say, I mean, without dwelling on too much, I'd like to say again, thank you to everyone else that's, that's obviously listened over the years. We are rapidly approaching three hundred thousand downloads, uh, which is uh, incredible. It's more than that because we only started recording in February 2016 in terms of, when, <laughs> of download numbers. So looking forward, though, we've got lots coming up this year, so we can have a quick, a quick think about that as well because it's ten years since many many releases which is why we chose 2012 in the first place we're going to be doing lots of retrospective review uh, kind of look backs as well this year so we've got revelations coming out operation raccoon city resident evil 6 hmm, yeah fun and yeah well i'm glad someone's excited but i don't think i've touched it for a long time so there we go so we're going to be doing lots of kind of retrospective look backs because we've done a few over the years resident evil 5 and of course it's 20 years since resident evil remake as well so we'll be doing a happy birthday podcast Podcast, which of course of course means we replay it and give you tips and guidance on what to do and how we played through the games what? and how i inevitably what? fucked up 
I was going to say, or not what to do. <laughs> or like not what to do. Exactly. I will try to be streaming my playthrough. As I said, I've not played Remake in any duration for about 15 years. I know, I know. So I will be streaming my community, my kind of playthrough in preparation for a happy birthday podcast at some point. Ever, so. Everyone can get to see Nick Mode Strikes Back. I'm hoping I don't use defensive weapons. They're stupid. Why, why would I use defensive weapons? <laughs> I'm hoping to replay the GameCube version on my acquired CRT. That should look really sweet. Lovely. Oh, that'll look very nice. So there's lots to look forward to this year. In fact, you know, we're pretty much uh, booked out for this year in terms of what we're going to be doing. Long, long may the podcast continue. We continue to have much, uh, much fun recording it, and I think that's the important thing. If we didn't have fun doing it, we, we simply wouldn't do it. And the amount of feedback and good vibes we get certainly keeps us going. So on behalf of everyone, I thank you for everyone's continued support over the past 10 years. We now turn our attention to why you've tuned into this podcast, of course. Um, to celebrate 10 years of the podcast, let's have a look back on the last 10 years of Resident Evil. It itself has been uh, a, a decisive and divisive 10 years for the franchise. So let's cast our minds back to 2012. I don't see a thing. I thought the Mediterranean was just like a big lake. Be patient. Finding a ship at sea is like finding a needle in a haystack. No kidding. But that still doesn't solve our problem. Hey, are you even listening? We'll find you, Jill. It's not dead, but it won't be back anytime soon. Man, we're still in pursuit of the spy Leon S. Kennedy. We need assistance. Over. Never thought I'd find Chris Redfield wasting away in a shithole like this. the hell are you? Piers. Piers Nivens? Never heard of you. How about this? You heard of this? What is that? You really don't remember anything, do you? Bioterrorism. Twenty twelve. I'll never forget it. The year the year we set up our little podcast, but also the year Biohazard began to turn, for better or for worse. That is the question today as we examine where we started to where we are now and what a journey us Resident Evil fans have been on in the last 10 years. Beginning with the swashbuckling Resident Evil revelations, we have seen the epic Michael Bay-esque Resident Evil 6 and then the gradual return of more gore and more horror with Resident Evil Revelations 2 and latterly the soft reboot of Resident Evil 7. And let's not forget Umbrella Corps. We've also seen two mangas, three CGI production, three stage plays and two remakes to boot. So is the series still as fresh as an undead zombie? Or would Lady Dimitrescu be complaining that it's all gone a little stale? It's been 25 years of Resident Evil and the last 10 have been fascinating. What I want to do before we, we plough into this, and I think the best way of going forward would be to go through each of the years and uh, talk about some of the discussions and uh, the, the main dis points that have arisen during those particular years, some of the games and the things I've mentioned above. How would you see the last 10 years of the series? Start with Batman. I'm just kind of... 
amazed really that we've had so many titles released in these last 10 years. I think when we started, the latest piece of media we had was the Lost in Nightmares DLC for Resident Evil 5 and Desperate Escape. And the series and the lore and the timeline and everything has, has probably more than doubled in the 10 years since. Am I surprised the series is still going? Not really, but I'm, I'm surprised it's probably as popular because I, I remember the couple of years after Resident Evil 6 came out, there was no new games on the horizon. Everyone seemed to have lost focus because the community was disillusioned. Capcom didn't seem to know what to do with the series, and that was a real low point. And even though I expected it to continue, I didn't think it would reclaim its glory days, so to speak. And I don't think Resident Evil 7 and Village and the remakes have brought us back to the heights of the original trilogy. But it's hard to deny that the brand Resident Evil is, is probably more popular than it's ever been at this current moment in time. On the whole, I've, I've enjoyed most of what we've got over the last 10 years, but it's, it's, it's the lack of focus and cohesion that upsets me, really. I think the series is too big now. There's too many bioterrorist incidents. There's too many one-off storylines there's not really any connection i know we've spoke about this many many times before but it, it upsets me as a fan of the law that capcom have made very little effort to create a blueprint for the storyline going forward after closing off so many aspects with resident evil 5 to me the last 10 years just smacks of them just making it up as they go along and that's harmed the series in some respects you know it's also not a secret to say i wasn't looking forward to the remakes of resident evil 2 and 3 and i think i've been proven correct in some respects that because there were reimaginings it sort of destroyed the whole aspect of canon if you like i think everyone has the remakes are responsible for everyone taking a more relaxed view on the canon now i think a lot of people are like well i don't really care i'll just go with my own personal head canon which is fine that's a good thing but before the remakes came along everyone was very very strict about they believed what was canon and, and what happened when and you know the remakes sort of blew all that open but i enjoyed them for what they were i'm intrigued to see where resident evil 9 is gonna go okay interesting interesting comments there george what's your take in the last 10 years my my biggest concern really is i mean because batman absolutely correctly points out currently the brand resident evil is the most successful it's ever been the most universal the most the broadest but for me the actual quality of the output and rightly or wrongly for me the word quality is also tied in with whether the classic survival horror elements are still prominent because at the end of the day you know this is why we're following the series surely these the pillars of survival horror and if you're not passionate about that i don't know why you're following the series yet that's been the quality for me has been has been lacking listening to you talk about neptune revelations and yeah this goes back to kind of the battle when we weren't sure which direction the series was going to take it has been a bit yeah all over the place i agree with batman we've had kind of almost too many incidents too many sort of organizations you know whilst capcom have kind of tried to push forward and kind of maybe innovate the gameplay i think perhaps they've lost sight of the story and the narrative and perhaps should have done that more with that and maybe just kept to the classic elements that we all enjoy i think we've seen i think the point has been proved that there is there is the audience for the classics of our you know people losing their shit over over the cancellation of pt so i don't think we have to have this over the blown uh, uncharted adventure type res Evil 6. But then there's the highlights for me. I never expected to get the dialed down minimalist approach looking back to some of those classical survival horror elements that we got with Resident Evil 7. Parts of 7 were a highlight for me and the fact that the HD remasters 
did so well. So there's, again, there's kind of little highlights there for me where survival horror has proved to be successful with the audience and, and Capcom have put, have, have shown confidence with it. Revelations 2 is probably the highlight for me of all the games that have been released uh, over the last 10 years. So it gives me hope for the future, but Village was a, quite a bit of a misstep for me. Rombi, what's your kind of overview of the t- last decade? I always look at the franchise in eras. Now, a lot of people would say there's a very distinct pre everything up to Resident Evil 4 and then everything post Resident Evil 4. It's not that I don't subscribe to that. I can definitely see why you say that. But what I see is sub eras. You have your PlayStation 1 era. Then you have what I would call the first troubles which is the post-code Veronica era where Capcom and Mikami and stuff didn't quite know where they were going and which platform they're going to be on. And then they put go to GameCube and they don't sell as well. And then Resident Evil 4 is kind of put in doubt and it takes about seven times to get it right. And then you have 5 and then 5 creates another trouble because it's too, in some ways it's too much like 4. The community is very split over it. I think it's been reappreciated over time compared to how it was a first resolve. But then it put Capcom in a place of like, well, we don't know what this... It needs to be so they create six as a response six as a everything in the kitchen sink it obviously isn't the right approach so they pull back again beyond all the main titles you've got all the way that those subtitles are had so if you go back again to the playstation you're all right we're going to do a light gun shooter first person we're going to do we're going to do an online title so all the spin-offs have their own sub kind of timeline and this happened again around 2012 we had revelations we had operation raccoon city we capcom is still constantly always just trying to find out what both the main narrative is going to be and what the sub narrative are going to be the thing for me over the 10 years is that hasn't changed (laughs) like that's it like when i look at it it's a pattern of repetition that capcom has continued to somehow through different systems make hit games and some not so hit games but this is the way it's always been the last 10 years and perhaps not been as different as i first think of when i look back there might be more games in a certain length of time but they're always willing to try new ideas and go with things that work and if something doesn't work then they will seemingly admit it and move on so six yeah okay it was too messy too much we're gonna backtrack so that's why seven is more of a traditional sense and then they were right these bits of seven worked but there is some feedback that maybe we do need a little bit more action so eight becomes a little bit more action paced on the side parts you know or the ideas of making remakes again it gives them a chance to go back to the original and go "Eh, well we could just make a straight up remake or we could do something different with it so from a gameplay perspective and from a narrative perspective it lets them play i can't begrudge the idea as much as you know i can see why anyone would say oh, i don't like the fact that you know so much of the laws change for the remakes or but even the risk of re-releasing the hd ports of uh, remake and zero like that could have easily gone they released them and they sold look terribly but and then they didn't which proved that there's a content for everyone you you might like revelations 2 or you might like remake 1 hd or you might like resident evil village or you might like operation raccoon city or god forbid you might even like umbrella corpse but at least they're trying and they're diversifying and i think that's why we reached this point where as you've all been saying so far that the brand is so strong because it's like i keep saying all the time there's a resident evil for everyone it is nothing and everything to everyone because it can be whatever you think it is as long as it's got some element of horror and some element of something that seems like a resident evil be viral monsters or zombies or whatever something that anchors it into that world then 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 as capcom seems happy to say that's and it's hard because you have especially going back to the original franchise it's very defined what survival horror is and 
the franchise is is survival horror, but it's everything and survival horror too. That's Tarrant. What's your kind of overview of the last ten years? My God, it's certainly seen some highs and lows, hasn't it? Let's be honest. I think, I think the thing that frustrates me the most is the last ten years have been the worst in that every time you feel the series has turned a corner for the better, they make some sort of unbelievably stupid idea or concept or story that just brings it just dragging down and it just feels like every single right decision they make is then undone like months later i mean you know you you, you, i don't think any other franchise in the world will ever get a triple punch combo that is umbrella core resident evil 7 and resident evil vendetta of which you know there's a diamond in the rough there and it's not vendetta because resident evil 7 to me was a masterpiece and i still maintain that to this day i actually think it's actually getting better as the years go on as well i think it's aging you know really really well and when it came out you know i was thinking god you know we've we've finally sort of with 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 the sort of revelations 2 coming out the remake um hd version came out and finally a lot of people played that for the first time who you know didn't adopt you know the nintendo hardware in the 2000s and you know finally it just felt like after the, the the horror of 2012 which was a year that didn't go anywhere near as well as capcom were hoping as much as i find merit in things like resident evil 6 and whatnot it wasn't a year that you would say is ultimately successful for the franchise and then we were kind of in this weird limbo and then remake hd came out and things it was just kind of like a nice little nostalgia blast and then revelations 2 came out which i like a lot and then umbrella core comes out and you're like oh this is the 20th anniversary celebration really and then resident evil 7 comes out and you go fucking hell this is amazing yeah this is the best game they've released in absolutely years what a throwback whilst also doing its own sort of thing and then vendetta comes out and it's like, Christ, we're right back to where we started with fucking Resident Evil 6 of just like this overblown, stupid, silly shit that, that plagues this series. And then Not a Hero comes out and it's not bad. And, and people think, oh, you know, it's a nice little DLC chapter. This isn't too bad. And then fucking End of Zoe comes out and you're like, oh, we've just undone that then. And the series has just felt like this. The remake saga, which I, I felt every single minute of, I can assure every single one of our listeners, and it's still going on to this day. But, like, I at least look back on, on, on Remake 2 and think, you know, God, that's a fucking good reference quality. In terms of, like, a, a raw gameplay experience, that game is, is pretty perfect as a remake, less so. But then they follow that up with Remake 3, which is just, you know, so redundant on so many levels. And, and they're know. still doing that. Now, I was going to say, yeah. sure, doing this now because you got you, with three, you had the online experience there, yeah. <laughs> and they and they've still got Reverse they want to put out, which was supposed to come out with Village that's supposed to be out this year, and you and you do you sit there and go, okay, I can see you do Village, but why Reverse really? Like asymmetric? This isn't what? <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> yeah. I can I'm make a good point. I'm a lot more positive on Village than I think a lot of people are, but then it was followed up by Infinite Darkness, which I really don't enjoy. And then the year, you know, the last year kind of rounded off with the very, very damp Welcome to Raccoon City. To summarise, all I've got when I look back through the last 10 years is some genuinely excellent highs, you know, of which I will class the remake getting in people's hands, a lot of the fan projects that have given a lease of life to things like Resident Evil 2 and 3. The seamless HD projects are things I never thought I would see in my lifetime. Like They're just incredible. Yeah. But my god, they do like just own goals and falling on their sacrificial swords every now and then. Who in their right mind would think we're, we're going to follow up the, the goodwill of Revelations 2 with a low budget, overpriced 3v3 tactical shooter. Uh, it's just, I just, I just despair. It's, it, all I can say is it's a fucking good thing we got something like Resident Evil 7. Because yeah. I think that it, I think if you were to take one true 
for me personally, and I know a lot of people have problems with Resident Evil 7, and a lot of people would apply this rationale to uh, Resident Evil 2 Remake, but that's certainly my high point of the last 10 years because that game did so much for so many people. And I know because I, I know it has its naysayers, I really do. But I can, I can also tell you, dear viewer, listeners, that there's a lot of people I know that have been brought back to the series because of that title. So it is important whether you have, you know, wavering feelings over it or not. So, yeah, Nick. Thank you. No, absolutely, shambolic, hasn't it? <laughs> it's it's been it's been interesting. It's a like, perfect segue into our kind of as we get into the main discussion and we we'll go through the years. Also, want to say uh, throughout this discussion, you'll hear some uh, call-ins from our listeners who are uh, just providing some very uh, their their views. So keep your ears out for that. Hey boys, Legatron here, calling you from Canada. Yeah, so I first got started in the series by playing number seven. Uh, I was also the first game I had that uh, played with headphones, and yeah, it freaked the shit out of me. Uh, the, the first part of the game when you hear the knock on the basement door, and then you go and you open it, and you hear me breathing, and I was like, there's no fucking way I'm going down there. After that, I went back and played all the old ones, and I uh, really fell in love with the series. We start with 2012, where it all began for us, and I think we say on our website we started in 2012 because it seemed the most appropriate time to start, because it was, and probably still is, the biggest year Resident Evil has ever had in terms of official releases of, you know, of big media projects, should we say. So we always thought it was a good time to start the podcast, and now is a good time to look back very briefly on how that year unfolded. So as a reminder to everyone, in 2012 we first got Resident Evil Revelation on the 3DS, which was uh, quite revolutionary back in the day. That was followed up by Operation Raccoon City on PlayStation 3 and Xbox. That was then followed up, in terms of the games at least, with the absolutely massive Resident Evil 6. And in theatres, in selected theatres in Japan at least, we also had the second CGI film of Resident Evil Damnation. So that was our bulk of 2012, and that, that's still, to this day, the biggest uh, year that we've seen in, in, in the franchise. You've just, you've just made me think Nick there was this thing as you listing all these things off that the funniest thing about it is that 2012 when all these things came out basically the year before was the franchise's 15th anniversary yes. and yeah they managed to push all of it basically missing almost that entire year obviously being up until March of 2012 <laughs> and so it feels like these projects probably some of them were planned for that 15th year but just didn't quite meet the mark and why they ended up cluttered 2012 was a weird year because there was a lot of franchises that really tried to mark, make their mark on that Silent Hill was another one in 2012 2012 was supposed to be the year of Silent Hill and none of those do tell well either <laughs> so and, and you know a couple of other franchises you know as well but like a messy year we, we are of course going to have individual podcasts a lot of these in retrospective as I mentioned earlier but I mean, what I want, what I wanted to do then, looking at the games, we were already at this point with Resident Evil Five. I think a lot of us were very fatigued by from that. I, I, I certainly was. It's interesting because Sean's comment before about the ups and downs makes me think about Resident Evil Five because I remember going, I didn't like hate Five, but I was just like, eh, it was like more of four, and I liked that it wrapped up a lot of like story and it was very story heavy. I really yeah. liked that. But then I was just like, eh, I'm not really sure how I feel. And then of course the Lost and Nightmares DLC comes out. And I was like, I actually really like that. That was really cool. Can we have more of that? <laughs> like, yeah. it's that up and down element. Again. What so Sean genuine. says, I've never hated a game more than Resident Evil 5, just for, just in the immense way that it detracted from everything that I'd want in a survival horror in a Resident Evil game. But then, yeah, as everyone points out, 
Lost in Nightmares came out, and that was my god. I thought, yes, I'm not going to be just closed minded and live in the past and, and you know, stupidly think that it, it, we're going to have fixed camera angles forever. This is perfect. You've got that section at the beginning where you had the opportunity to choose between the two perspectives, but then you had a kind of a, a fantastic mix of that, of slightly more action focused, but at the same time, still a very much survival esque atmosphere. I thought the battle with is it the Guardians, they're called, I think, are they? Um, yeah. was uh, for me just an absolute perfection in terms of how you could marry both survival horror and a more action-focused gameplay together uh lost in nightmares yeah that in itself of course was yeah that wasn't of course in, in that decade though so never mind oh. <laughs> <laughs> but that's okay because that does lead on nicely to revelations which of course was the first kind of entry point so i re- i distinctly remember and i'll go to batman on this because i know you're a big advocate of revelations I remember, because uh, obviously it was 3DS and it wasn't quite arguably as accessible as uh, as other titles, but it was, I, I, I just remember clinging to the hope that there, it was such a good location, the Queen Zenobia. You know, the ship was cool. It was a hub-like area. It didn't felt as linear as 4 and 5. And there was little, little hint, tints, hints and tints of, you know, of something resembling as, like, survival horror. And... I mean, it's, the game is ruined by a lot of the Terra Grigia stuff, in my opinion, but the Zenobia part was really good. So I just wondered, Batman, you know, did you think, you know, that was a, was a highlight of the year, the Revelations? Did it help appease what was happened from 5? Well, I think Revelation itself was very impressive because of, you know, like you said, it was originally a title for the Nintendo 3DS. It was going to come out to a very limited audience. It was obviously going to be limited in terms of hardware, but Capcom really pushed it because they were obviously very impressed with how it was going and I just distinctly remember the producer Kawata saying it was going to have you know they were so impressed with how it was going and they were impressed with the storyline that they were basically pushing it as saying this is you know Resident Evil 6 in all but name you know, I enjoy the game you know I'll I think it's better than Revelations 2 I'll fight anyone over that you know the Queen's Zenobia was a good location the game itself was a semi-return to horror you know there's a few silly moments in there but there's nothing you know we're not talking Salazar statues or, or tyrant dinosaurs or anything like that yes you've got the Malacorda but for the most part you know there's nothing outrageous going on in the game the storyline i know everyone is very conflicted over the storyline with revelations because it is very complicated i for one love it because it's the, it's probably the only real proper mystery story we've got in the whole franchise yes it was self-contained but back then in 2012 i think we needed a game like that it was um a new bad guy but it brought chris and jill back it told us all the backstory of the bsaa which is now one of the most established organizations in the whole franchise and yeah i, I think revelations is is a high point of 2012 you know if i'm remembering correctly it was received pretty positively overall the standalone nature of it was fine at the time but i think because we've had so many games and stories since that are also standalone it's become very forgettable and many of its references to other titles such as the tricell links you know are all hidden away in in translations and very much in the background that they're not they're, you know they're not even going to be apparent to most audiences but for me because it was a nintendo 3ds title a handheld title it was the chapter system that spoils the game for me you know when they re-released it in hd on consoles and introduced it to a wider audience it was the chapter system the very very short sub chapters i think that, that lets it down and breaks the experience a bit but for me revelations one is probably one of the most underrated games in the whole series in what ways do you think it's superior to Revelations 2? And you're, you're going to have to fight me and Stars at the very least, I think. <laughs> I mean, I do like Revelations 2. You know, I enjoy that game very much, but I, I just think Revelations 1 is more... I, I just think it's got more of a focus. You know, it's more contained. Okay. It's, you know, I enjoyed 
having Chris and Jill back. And I just like the storyline because I enjoy piecing it all together. The mystery, I thought Revelations 2, whilst I enjoyed a lot of aspects of it, I just found it very linear. And, you know, there wasn't really, the, the whole man, mind transfer storyline was was terrible, in my opinion. And I really didn't like what they did with Alex Wesker. I find that very off-putting. But I'm not at all saying Revelations 2 is a, a bad game. I enjoy it very much. But for me personally, I think Revelations 1 is better. Well, I would I certainly think- agree with you. I'll come into you, Sean. I, I certainly agree with you that Revelations was a high point of 2012, but that's not a glowing endorsement of 2012. I can understand John's point, absolutely. As much as I prefer Revelations 2 as an experience, uh, Re- Revelations felt like, you know, a writer or, you know, or a director coming up with a concept that they were clearly in love with. And I think there was just a few missteps in terms of maybe how they chose to tell it, whether that was confined to the chapter system, as, as John's alluded to. Whereas Revelations 2 certainly felt like it was just almost existing to tie up that annoying loose thread from, from Resident Evil 5. So I do think, like, certainly on merit, like Revelations probably does deserve more than I think a lot of people, including myself. You know, the criticism I lavish on it is maybe not quite warranted in places. Series evolution then, Romby. It felt quite similar to Five at that point. I think they now sorted up the control scheme, albeit it was terrible on the 3DS, unless you had the Circle Pad Pro. I still maintain it's not a great combat system. I mean, it gets slightly better on console and consoles, but I think my issue, I have no qualms with the narrative in Revelations to me it's all gameplay structure and controls the gameplay structure especially I remember having a rant probably on a previous episode was just the fact that it just bottles you to an area and then just goes right here's a small area you gotta fight a bunch of enemies that just keep coming at you rinse repeat and it just gets monotonous and boring and then when the controls are not the most responsive it gets more frustrating I physically couldn't get past the Skag Dead boss in Revelations 1 on 3DS I didn't have the Circle Pad Pro but but did it feel I mean generally then this is open to everyone did it generally feel i mean i i certainly felt it was a bit more horror e than five and i, I think yeah, absolutely yeah mm, yeah absolutely. No, 100%. but you also as, as you rightly say the terra grigia sections derail it massively you know it can it commits the cardinal sin in in that it um totally makes the hunter redundant as a monster i despise revelations for what it did to the hunter but i agree but the invisible farfarello ones were good i thought yeah, yeah absolutely there's some great ideas and designs in, in revelations there's some not so great ideas and designs in there as well but you have a very interesting cast I think O'Brien's great Jessica not so much it's just it's such a hot pot of ideas isn't it It kind of it's kind of a video game representation of what I've just said the series last 10 years has been it, it just has like some great highs and some weird lows well, I almost but, felt like it was Capcom kind of looking to return slightly to survival horror and, and but at the same time they didn't have quite the confidence enough to go mm. fully down that route like they did with seven and so they're kind of almost dipping their toe in the water so it, it became you know almost relegated to an expanded universe title but at the same time you, you're quite right i mean clearly a considerable step in the right direction away from what was going on in resident evil 5 and but i think definitely sowed the seeds for what we then got with revelations 2 and then with resident evil 7 i think it gave capcom the confidence because it did do well gave them the confidence that you know that there is a, a there's popularity in in these more traditional survival horror aspects so no, it, think... it was certainly the first step that led to you know the culmination of that journey which was resident evil 7 same director too actually it's worth saying i was going to say can someone correct me if i'm wrong and remembering this this way but this is also really the first spin-off that wasn't like a dlc to a mainline game that actually combines franchise legacy characters with new characters if 
if you didn't count Gaiden. <laughs> yeah, I think it was viewed at the time, wasn't it? It's like, oh, it's like a, a higher budget version of the Survivor or Chronicles series, if you like. But oh, I think Capcom themselves have always treated it as a mainline yeah. numbered title, essentially. I just think it's not even the story itself. It's the way they just made more effort with the story overall. Like Resident Evil is renowned for telling most of its story in the background. Everyone always praises the story of Resident Evil 5, but most of that is in the background files. I mean, I remember playing co-op with my friend who was a a big Resident Evil 5 fan and he sort of dropped out of the series after Code Veronica and he came back and played 5 with me didn't know anything about it and we got all the way up to chapter 5 2 I think it is before Wesker even makes his first proper appearance and he just turned to me and he said you know what I'm enjoying this but I haven't got a fucking clue what's going on where is the story you're not wrong with that and um and Revelations, it just felt like they'd made more of an effort. Yes, the Terra Grigia levels are pretty awful, I'll concede that. But fair play for, to Capcom for actually showing us that. Because once upon a time, Capcom would have just referenced what happened in Terra Grigia in dialogue. You know, they wouldn't have actually shown us it. And likewise, you get the nice little tutorial level on the beach at the very start where you're learning how to use the Genesis scanner. But at the same time, you know, you're getting quite a lot of backstory from O'Brien, you know, from Parker and you're learning about the FBC. I just think Capcom made a little bit of extra effort in how they tell the story in Revelations. Unfortunately, they never really followed up on that. They just went backwards again with, with, with Six and just went back to how they used to do it. Well, we will be talking more about Revelations in our next podcast. But I think we could, if we start summarize we can say as george i think said there you know dipping its toe into some of the survival horror so um again a, a a good release a positive release and then operation raccoon city came out ladies and gentlemen uh, so we go back to what sean said and suddenly we're over the head with a wet salmon and we are greeted by what i can only describe as a terrible terrible game in Operation Raccoon City. I, I have so little positivity to say out of it. Operation Raccoon City is a failed experiment in so many ways. And it's such a shame. It is such a, that's I think that's what I find personally with it. As as George, you would often say a huge missed opportunity. Ooh, I'll come in I, later on it, but there's a lot to defend it. There is. Yeah. And that's but, what makes it worse, in my opinion. You're jumping, jumping exactly what I was going to say, which is that the promotion and marketing for the setup for this, the CG trailers were really good. Everyone was like, the idea is really solid, but it's the execution that fails the concept. You could yeah. have stories within Raccoon City. We've proven that without break. You can continue to do that. The action gameplay isn't necessarily a deal breaker if it's done properly. The problem was it's pretty loose. It's a very on slippery game that feels very loose on not very well executed. The storyline is very loose and open. The interpretation of Raccoon City is really loose and open. Whereas if it had felt more authentic, I think people would have been much more happy with it. That's, and that's it. You, you guys have already said exactly what I was going to say, which is that it's much more disappointing because you can see the chance for this to have been really good, and it wasn't. I think if it was released now, though, it would be released, uh, received a lot better. Mm-hmm. I, th- I agree with that. It was released at a time when we were all still very anal about canon and continuity and that sort of thing, and the game never really got a fair shot because a, a, you know, a significant chunk of the community dismissed it before it was even released because it was obviously going to break continuity and therefore not be particularly relevant. You know, from a gameplay perspective, and how it, it at least it's indebted to the law, it's more authentic than the other ones that Capcom have made. You know, as asymmetric shooters online recently, I'd much prefer to play Operation Raccoon City than play more Reverse, for example. 
Exactly, yeah. And it is a good idea, you know. I just, like you say, they poured more time and effort and money into it. It could have been something really good. I've no doubts about that. Yeah, I mean, I was one of the people who dismissed it before it even came out, and I think that, that soiled my entire experience when I got it. I picked it up on day one and, and hated every minute of it. But <laughs> when we actually get around to doing the anniversary podcast, as a little sneak preview, I'm actually going to... I'm not going to defend it, because my opinion of the game hasn't changed at all. I still don't rate it as you know even though you can now play it on backwards compatibility and play a version of the game that is better than anything you would have played back in 2012 because just the addition of playing it in 60 frames a second is a transformative experience for that game and it's well worth trying out if you've got a, a series console xbox series console i do think it maybe deserves a little bit of a reappraisal not necessarily related to its quality but in terms of how we initially rejected it for canon and geography and all that when we've had very official remakes come along that have effectively done the same thing they've basically mm. thrown established geography in the bin established dates in the bin and done their own thing and is it really fair to condemn operation raccoon city for doing that even though i appreciate it's by a western developer it's not necessarily it was always considered to be non-canon but in terms of our scrutiny that we apply to it is it fair when people are so acceptant that like remake 2 can stand every bit as official as the original game even though there are massive contradictions in terms of geography dates and things like that you know does 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 operation raccoon city commit a sin as badly now when we've got official remakes that do exactly the same thing well i was going to say two, two points to that one it's exactly kind of what john was saying before which is i think if a game was released now it'd be probably be much it'd be a an easier pill to swallow would be better accepted but secondly there are bits of Operation Dragon City that are more truthful to the original Resident Evil 2 than remakers Absolutely, yeah. so you know as much as you can say well this has been changed and this has been changed there also are bits that I'm like well that's actually closer to the remake uh, to the original in 1998 than the remake version was and so again you can you can give that a pass on some streets i 100 percent agree it would be it'd be very different to accept it and i think if if everyone who's listening when we go towards that episode actually dusts off a copy of it and especially as you said if they've got an xbox console um they can fire it up on a new xbox console and still play it and revisit it i'd be very interested to see what people's thoughts are and, and maybe of all people smiley might be redeemed it, it, may, <laughs> it was utterly burn that like all the people that want the clock tower in remake three and there's more of it in operation raccoon city <laughs> I just wanted to clarify was at the beginning what I was defending because my god I mean I dislike everything about this game the the gameplay in its entirety uh, other than some of the concepts I mean Wolfpack I think I've got great characterization but but the the fact that yeah I I still am I'm very, I'm very sort of sensitive to the canon and just the changing of the Birkins laboratory and everything and the position of where characters meet other characters just grates with me so much but I just wanted to without taking this down a whole rabbit hole of of, of another interview but Andrew Santos has, you know, the director of the of the the game, and I think if, if anyone gets an opportunity to, to to listen to any of past interviews that Andrew Santos has done, you know, the the team Slant Six were really very much given very little to work with, and what they were given was repeatedly changed, and what they thought they were making a, a traditional survival horror game, you know, they were very much accorded to with by Capcom Japan, you know, what they had to make and what they were looking for, and very clearly clearly told that this was going to be a Call of Duty style game and many examples i won't you know we won't need to go into now people can find them on the internet where the, the development team that this was in the hands of 
they had everything working against them and very little support at all. So with Operation Raccoon City, we had a, 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 a quite a unique experience, something we hadn't really experienced before uh, in the in the RE series, kind of squad-based shooter. I always find with these spin-offs that it's a delicate balance between you're trying to appeal to arguably a new audience that have never played Resident Evil before, but want to play it because it's a squad-based shooter. But then they're also appealing to the audience, the Resident Evil audience, like the franchise, like survival horror, and like you know what what the name of the brand stands for. So it's very difficult. You've either got to go all in or all out, or you know try and get that mix and balance quite right. I mean, um, George has brought up a, a, a good point, which is when he was talking about the development plans for Operation Raccoon City, and this also applies to Resident Evil Six. If you'll remember all the press at the time capcom from a management perspective was obviously going for call of duty they were like we want call of duty numbers they didn't necessarily mean exactly a game like call of duty but they wanted something that appealed to call of duty players and appealed to action game players and i guess this might actually answer george's question to me earlier and also what sean was saying about it going back and forth is that from a development standpoint why do they do one this game this way and this game that way it might be a case of say internal developers and leads like the directors and stuff coming to capcom management and saying hey we really see an opportunity here to remake Resident Evil 2 for example there's fan support here's the documentation here's a plan Capcom management then say yeah this seems like a solid plan here's a budget make it work and then they're in the middle of that and then they're like telling another development team hey there's this new asymmetric game style that we're seeing is really popular with game players from our market research we really want to do a, a game like that we think maybe the Resident Evil brand would be really good for that can you start researching and planning out a game in that style for this type and we want to release it next year and and then all of a sudden the team has to put that together and that becomes part of the plan because exactly as George was saying and it, and it happens all the time with development teams a producer gets told that he brought up Tom Hewlett perfect example book of uh, was it book of shadows or book of whatever it is this, the Vita game they had the idea of a Vita game and then all of a sudden from management said and we want to make it a dungeon crawler okay Silent Hill and a dungeon that's not Silent Hill but alright we'll make it work I guess and so it becomes a dungeon crawler and so I can easily see that perhaps happens occasionally, and especially that year when we actually publicly saw press releases and interviews with Capcom staff were outwardly talking about peeling to the Call of Duty crowd. But it goes back to what Sean was saying earlier about, I mean, it, it was universally disliked, I think, by a lot of the RE fans for, for you know, and, and, and we will do a retrospective as well and have a look back mm. to see if our views have changed. But it was, it, it felt a bit of a, oh, okay, we're not quite there yet. It was very action orientated, obviously, because it's a squad-based shooter you know it's on par if not worse than five in terms of action elements so it's a kind of up and then down again that's the biggest crime essentially is that capcom obviously from an internal perspective seemingly did have the right reaction to what well not the right but they had a reaction to what five was because i remember i think it was the the director who'd worked on five declined to come back and direct six because he's like i don't know what it's going to be i can't make another one of these games and i don't have an idea for something else six's development was led from that problem and from the feedback of what it was but then obviously capcom as well from a management perspective are like well we've got to release this title and we want to do these sorts of things so even though their market for resident evil fans probably didn't want more action they wanted a game with more action to appeal to action-based players it's it, it isn't it, it's kind of going back to the thing i was saying on it's that the franchise is different things for different people but that's also because it's been led from the top to try and fill as many different pigs yeah and of course five did well I mean, it's still, you know, it's still the and, most popular. And six. Yeah. We're going to talk about six as 2012 as like one of the not best things about it. But realistically, it's one of the top two highest selling franchise titles ever. Yeah. Five and six. 
it's it, it's a bit harsh comparing the action to uh, Operation Raccoon City to RE5, Nick, because RE5 is a polished product. Even yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. Like the the direction it took the series. You know what I meant, though. In terms, in terms of the general overview, yeah, 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 the, yeah. The, the consensus. Yes. And, and, and that comes back to what I was saying about the director. You know, it's just more about the stagnant nature of the. There's only you can't keep doing the same trick and expecting it to be as impactful and sell as well. You know, that is really where it leads to six because they yeah. went, well, we can't make four again essentially, so we need to do something different. But the problem is nobody knew what that was, and what you ended up with was an all in everything in the kitchen sink. You know, every idea is in there. It's it's no, there's no hiding that. Here's a stealth section. Here's an on-rail section. Here's a vehicle section. Here's a survival horror type element. Here's an action element. Here's a bit of Resident Evil 4. Here's a bit of Resident Evil 5. Here's about 20 different enemy types in one area. Like, <laughs> here's Call of Duty Gears of War section. It, does, it wears it very clearly on its sleeve when it comes to SIGs. And I don't think Operation Raccoon City is that. I think Operation Raccoon City is very astutely what it is. That when, mm. when Capcom said we want this to be this type of shooter and Slant 6 just did what they would hold it's a product that knows what it is i can definitely say that with more confidence than resident evil 6 is looking at the games that with revelation still quite action orientated operation raccoon city very action orientated there's almost like a natural flow into the release much anticipated release of resident evil 6 huge marketing campaign here comes the crescendo (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) that's a perfect term The, the crescendo of the action trilogy as it's now subsequently known looking back on it i mean as the marketing campaign was enormous for it the kind of no hope left and it, people were getting excited because they actively said this is good, this is the resident evil for everyone you know they almost like acknowledged the fact that the, the the series was splintering in terms of what it means to people and this is going to have everything you're going to have your survival horror and you know you're going to have your action and that kind of stalker section as well as rob alluded to and it was such a disappointment i mean i really loathe resident evil 6 with an utter passion it Everybody's is where if they heard the 10th anniversary episode oh it's one of the most i mean put it this way i didn't actually complete it till what 2017 because i just had no interest in finishing ada's campaign by that point i was so exhausted playing it i i, I just can't i honestly i do not see no, exhausting is the right word nick i was <laughs> you it's massive it's a, it is a long battle, and and to be fair, I'm not I'm not going to excuse this, but the early version, if you played it when it first came out, before they pre-patched a bunch yes. of stuff, even put, more so. Put it this way: I secretly hope that we are not still doing this podcast in ten years' time, because then we won't have to do a Happy Birthday Resident Evil Six, and I won't have to replay this game all over but, again to yeah, tell people how much shit I was. <laughs> we'll reach twenty years in January of in ten years from now, and then that's our last that's our last episode no we're not going any further but wait without without resident evil 6 that we wouldn't have nick's wonderful wonderful that's the rant isn't it the clip of of you just listing everything you hate that's six isn't it that you're talking about (laughs) which is one of my favorite clips of all time see you so george you do need resident evil 6 as you say and we'll get to that you need this game in this series as you said it sold quite well. And, oh, yeah. But what's interesting is that they did, Capcom did listen to the critical response and noted it, despite the fact that, from a business point of view, they look at the numbers and go, well, we may as well carry on. But no, they didn't. So I've got to give Capcom praise for listening to what the reviews were saying and what the fans were saying. But It's, oh, it, it's, 
It's kind of an interesting fact, though, because when it came out, it didn't sell as well as they wanted. It sold really well in the long term. It's had legs. But when it came out, Capcom had changed, I think, I'm pretty sure. I'd have to double-check this with a few people. But I'm pretty sure Capcom moved the goalposts on the sales targets more than once. And it still didn't do quite what they hoped when it came out. But it's proven to have legs. And obviously, re-releasing it on PS3, Xbox 360 to the next gen and PS4 has helped that sort of longevity but it's it's been what i would say most industries would call an evergreen it just kind of always just floats along it sells a few thousand units every quarter enough that it just keeps continuing to grow and you see that like all of a sudden it's jumped two hundred thousand units in a year or something you know keeps selling and five's the same five's exactly yeah. the same and there's there's some sort of level of genius in it that we all hated is that idea as i was saying it has throws everything in the kitchen sink it it's a long game and it's blah blah, blah and all this difficulty but it's also an inherent little bit of genius that i think the reason why it continues to be an evergreen is that it's just one of those games you could just buy you can just pick up and play a little bit of it every little section is kind of different or different characters play differently there's enough appeal that you can just it's just you can just something you can throw on and the inverse for me is that like i said i didn't really like revelations gameplay but i liked its story reasonably all right six is the opposite i i, I honestly couldn't give a shit about the story it's so obtusely pointlessly overly complicated for no reasons there are elements of it i like i love the chris and Piers stuff i love you know like there's there's things about it i like but the gameplay is actually really good like it's the one thing in it that like even when it's like everything in the kitchen sink it's at least done and executed well sliding around as leon is fun like i can't deny that i don't mind it sometimes a little bit clunky it was great once they allowed you to adjust the depth of field of the camera and stuff and sometimes yeah the bosses overstay their welcome but on a fundamental fun level of just a game i think it it's fine and i think that's also why appeals people can pick it up and play it and it's just a fun game to just shoot some enemies and slide around on the ground you know just shoot and blow some stuff up and i think that's what is i, I don't there's any other idea that's only only theory i can come up with because i don't understand why it continues to sell you know heaps every year pretty sure that had we not been doing started doing the podcast and we had the opportunity to go back and play all the old games to cover it for the podcast i possibly would have been done with the series after six <laughs> it, on it i just couldn't you know you've got to think this is october 2012 mm. you know we just had a year of all this uh, yeah i i was i was i you know i was just grateful that i had you guys so we could talk about you know resident evil 3 or 2 or outbreak and i was like, oh god thank god for that batman what's your take on six <laughs> mm. well first and foremost it's better than code veronica um <laughs> oh. yeah of course it is Similar to what you've already said, really, yeah. It's smacked of Capcom really not knowing what to do with it, so they just threw everything at it. And because it was their biggest production at the time, I think their biggest budgeted game, I think they said they had over 500 people working on it. Yeah, it was it, biggest budget, biggest crew. Yeah, I forgot to mention that. That is a very valid point. It was That yeah. also goes to do with that marketing that Nick was talking about. I think they spent more on marketing than they ever done for a game as well. Yeah, it was the first and only sort of Avengers, you know, 
ensembler type game we've had with all these major characters coming back you know all all those elements are rightly going to build up expectations and you know it was kind of inevitable really that it was just going to be a disappointment the gameplay itself yeah it's fun to play and because it is so big it's it's like several different games all all melded into one like i i find myself going back and playing the adonia levels i think they're the most replayable for me the storyline was was pretty shit really it was pointless the game has some excellent individual character moments and probably some of the Mm. best voice acting in the series but the story just for a numbered title just goes absolutely nowhere but I'm looking forward to playing it again. I haven't played it for a number of years myself. I did buy it when it was re-released in HD um, on the PS4, but I've only really had a quick dabble on it. So I'm looking forward to going through it again. I've never actually played it going through the individual campaigns. I've always tried to do it in its chronological order. Like even the first time I got it, when all the chapters were locked, I played Jake's two chapters first, then Chris's first chapter to unlock the Adonia. So I've I've always gone through it in its story order. So I'd be interested to see how different the experience is playing each individual campaign from start to finish. But yeah, it's a flawed game. It's still probably the, the weakest numbered title for me but I am looking forward to giving it another go whenever we're going to do this uh, retrospective podcast. Star Siren, you like a good slide. I think I think the gunplay is um, it's some some of the best I've ever played. To be honest, I think it's absolute delight. And anyone who's watched me stream it would know I just go full on nonsense acrobatics in, in you know to obscenely stupid levels like pointless slides, backflips. But I love it. I love it. It's not Resident Evil in any way whatsoever. But I really really enjoy it as a game. The vehicles sections though be damned forever. <laughs> Um, I just remember watching one of your streams and I'd obviously forgotten all about what happens in 6 and then I've got of course there's a tank chasing us Resident Evil 6 my god where do you even start I mean obviously it got debuted January of 2012 and it was after the prolonged development of RE5 where that got announced in 2005 we didn't actually get the game in our hands until 2009 this was quite refreshing because they basically announced a September release date originally wasn't it It wasn't November they brought it forward I I think it was I think it was the end of November and they brought it forward because it clashed, clashed with Call of Duty or something it forward yeah so, i think know, it was we were getting a, a numbered re title in january and we were going to be playing it by the end of the year which was unprecedented for this series really after the sort of debacles of re4 and 5 you know which took literal years to get into our hands from when they were first announced skip one bit now and go back to it in a minute but the no hope campaign was really really good like it the viral marketing that it, it had I remember being sat down. I had I had ITV on. I was watching a, a, a movie on. Like, they used to. They always show like a big Saturday night movie on at ten o'clock. And I I remember having the TV on, and I was transfixed by this advert that had come on, and it showed people like barricading themselves in buildings. It was live action. Thinking this looks this looks really really striking. And then I saw the No Hope Left like graffiti on the wall of a building or something. Thinking, well that's fucking Resident Evil Six. And lo and behold, and you can watch it on YouTube, the No Hope Left ad campaign is, like, strikingly good. It's almost haunting some of the imagery. You've got, like, schools with children boarding themselves up and things are trying to get into them. It's it's very recommended. I remember going to watch Judge Dredd. Um, at the cinema and they had a little Resident Evil 6 trailer play before it with mm. that bu- that really beautiful piano song and I remember it got a really positive reaction in the cinema. And, and suddenly your franchise, you know, even though it's obviously there had been movies at that point, like to see a game advertised in the cinema, it must have been special. 
The biggest problem I think we had early on with RE6 was the fact that so much of it had leaked in January. So already by the end of January we had in our hands the name Carla Radame. Now we didn't know the context of it specifically, but we knew things about this big storyline before it happened and all the trailers came out all looked amazing everybody thought sherry was ashley hilariously despite all the years of everybody you know thinking um you know sherry was every blonde character that was ever previewed in the series then suddenly sherry turns up and it's everyone thinks it's ashley which is hilarious and the game comes out and it's just a mess i don't think there's been a bigger collective sigh in the series that that occurred when resident evil 6 came out because as much as some of us like myself was finding merit in parts of it there was this oh overwhelming disappointment in just about everything it did like i had so much excitement that sherry was back but they don't arguably don't do enough with her character or indeed anything with her character chris's amnesia plot doesn't really go anywhere leon just kind of stays on the same path throughout the entire title and no one finishes that game's story changed everybody's basically the same from where they started apart from piers rest in peace he did. And so what you end, what you get left with was Resident Evil, and there was no sort of story DLC that followed it up or anything like that. So what you have is just a very, very heavily criticised experience that I don't think many people take a lot of merit from. I think people force themselves to find merit with the game over the years that have happened since, including myself. But what I will say about it is, and what I said about Resident Evil 4, as much as Resident Evil 4 is a very different game in terms of like Resident Evil 4 was genre-defining and, and important for the games industry. Resident Evil 6, not so much. But it's important in the legacy of Resident Evil, and I wouldn't have the series a day without it, because without Resident Evil 6, you don't go through, as you alluded to, Nick, the the acknowledgement from Capcom that this wasn't working, and then you don't have the recovery years that come after it. And without Resident Evil 6, you never get to Resident Evil 7. And I would never have the series without Resident Evil 7, you know, so that's the greatest praise I can lavish upon 6, is that you need it as a natural stepping stone to recovery. And I'm a big believer of learning from your mistakes and embracing them. Failure, the greatest teacher is. Lovely, lovely. A wise man once said, once said, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I, I said I, I, I struggle with it. I genuinely struggle. And I, I, I think a lot of us were burned by the lies, you know, that, that there's the survival horror for you in Leon's section. Is, is it really? Is it that much different from Chris's section? The enemies change. The enemy, oh, you've got zombies and Cerberus. Mm, fine. We'll inevitably talk about it a lot more. I think within its sort of 40 hours of gameplay, I know we've said this before again, but hidden in there somewhere is 10 hours of a really, really, really good Resident mm. Evil game. It's just hidden by so much filler and... Snowmobiles. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Collective cheer for Sherry, though. My God, what a great term for that character. I, I remember I remember when she was first announced as being a, a, you know, a, a DSO agent, thinking, this is utter nonsense. What the fuck are they doing? But the characterisation she's given, the writing she's given, the performance, wonderful. I think she's a highlight of the series, Sherry and Ari 6. And the consistency with voice actors was nice as well, because I think Chris's trauma he goes through in this game resonates a lot more with Roger Craig Smith returning after Resident Evil 5. I think if Chris had been recasted, it wouldn't have been as effective. All right, well, as I said, another thing, we'll be doing a retrospective review on that later on in the year. Before we finish 2012, of course, we did get one CGI production in Resident Evil Damnation. Now, people who have watched these films know that they are very, very self-contained, for legal reasons, apparently, but there we go. And Damnation's probably considered to be one of the better ones, certainly number two on most people's lists. 
generalizing of course but again i'm not quite sure how much damnation added to the storyline i'm sure john can fill us in on anything that we've missed but it did at least give us the greatest tyrant scene in a war zone that we've seen in the franchise which was nice yeah i think damnation i do change my mind over which one i prefer the best out of damnation and degeneration but yeah, the tyrants in this were, were brilliant, and the liquors as well. You know, I think Damnation, it's an enjoyable film. Again, it's quite self-contained. It does have that sort of bolted-on scene at the end with the Simmons character, which I don't believe was in the original script because it's not in the novel. But the film itself, is it's perfectly enjoyable. Till uh, CVX Freak told us about the legal, it being set in like an Eastern European war zone with BOWs involved. One of the very first posters that was released there was a kind of like this enigmatic shot from was it Leonard sort of standing up looking down at someone? It was like, Oh, we're all thinking, is that Ark Thompson, that mystery man? Do you remember? <laughs> I remember well, yeah, it's pain. Never felt so betrayed. It did look a bit like him, though. That was the problem. It looked totally like him, Nick. Come on, <laughs> it was like, It's Ark, and we all knew it wasn't, but we do this to ourselves every time. <laughs> Um, so, I mean, Damnation's a funny one. I mean, as with all these CGI films, it doesn't really add a huge amount to the lore, just another mission for Leon. I suppose we've got a bit of interaction with Leon and Ada, and I think first time we confirmed that they had been intimate with one another. I think that's in the in the film, if I remember correctly, but that's frightening it, Batman. Well, it's it's. she says, a, a, you know, a line that could be inferred that way. Yes. Wait, are we, think, are we going to Batman just to make to check whether it's canon <laughs> yeah. that, that Leon and Ada shagged? Yes, I can, I can confirm that, uh, yes, it's canon that they did shag. <laughs> My memory is very poor of these um, films. Ada's appearance in this movie is that utter nonsense, though, isn't it? Come on, scrutinise it on a story point of view. What the fuck is she doing there? I can't even remember. What was she doing there? Not a lot. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking to you, to you, John, for for hope that you can give me some sort of be- beacon in the darkness here. No, I think it's just one of those things, isn't it? Is where where Leon is. You've got to stick Ada in there, I suppose. But there was yet another conspiracy theory, wasn't there? Because Ada, for some reason, held a grappling gun in her left hand, I think, rather than the right hand in the game. So everyone was then saying, "Oh my God, this is Carla Radame from Resident Evil 6. You know, we really were crazy as a fandom with our uh, theories <laughs> back in 2012. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Happy days, happy days. Hi, everyone. I'm Dominique Gendron, also known as Carlosless Doom GC on the REP Discord. Resident Evil is a central pillar in my life, so I want to do a quick roadmap of my last 10 years. We start with Revelation on the 3DS. It was an uncomfortable entry, both graphically and ergonomically. It's a forgettable story slapped under a strange amount of memorable cleavages. RE6 came and went, but it was just flat, to be honest. I got burned hard by that game that wanted to be everything at once. A fucking T-Rex Simmons? Really? I ignore RE7, I thought that Resident Evil was lost by then. It took RE2 Remake to hook me back. It was my renaissance of sorts. Ambience of the old games, modern gameplay, nice graphics and a good amount of lore to top it off. I thought about this game all year, it seems that the whole internet was buzzing around this one. It is my highest high of the series. Then RE2 Remake, which was fun but did not impact me as much. Carlos is definitely the star of the show, not that Nemesis Sludge. I don't know why I rely love when he calls Nemesis fuckface. RE8 was approaching fast. I finally played RE7 to better understand the story, but 
I didn't like it. Our village came, it was incredible. My first playthrough was etched into my brain forever and I can't wait for the DLC. Seeing Chris tired of all this shit, having a smoke in silence in his Humvee was a fresh look on the character. And guys, the Houndwolf squad must appear in future installments. This is brilliant. The synergy of the group is promising. Well, such was the destructive impact of the uh, triumvirate of Revelations, Operation Raccoon City and Resident Evil 6. Not a lot happened afterwards and the series needed a lot of time to recover. In fact, nothing of note came out in 2013. It was a barren year, ladies and gentlemen. Didn't Revelations HD come out that year? I'm talking about new new, new release. Oh, new sorry. Release. Oh, yeah, okay. sorry. And again, 2014 was also pretty barren, except Mahara Desire! Do you like obscure Japanese comics? We've got the news for you. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm doing it. I'm doing it, guys. I'm going to challenge John to tell us one good thing that came out lore-wise with that fucking manga. Take the floor, John, please. Oh, Christ, now you've put me on the spot. Uh, it mentions daylight, yeah. There you go. <laughs> it mentions daylight, which oh, makes yeah, no broken. Sense. That was broken at the... the but then that, that, that completely undermines the mass-produced Will Farmer vaccine, so it's more of a fucking error, to be honest. But, yeah, the artwork was nice. Oh, my. Oh, dear. I hope everyone enjoyed that part of the Best Bits podcast. Uh, oh. Mahara, we had so much Mahara design news over awesome. the years. It, it went on for so obscenely long to tell uh, nothing. I still say that's not even all the news. I think <laughs> I think it was others. And what's even worse is that you can't even find Ricky, Ricky Tawowser, in Resident Evil Six. You get to the point where he should be. He should be. He should be the guy you push the camera away. He should be that, or he should be up. He should be at a turn and go. Oh, there he is! Yeah. They, didn't, they didn't even patch that in. Shocking. Anyway, so Mahara Desire was the first kind of official canon manga that was released that uh, told a unique storyline of a of the Mahara Academy, uh, Singapore, I believe, or. Uh, Southeast Asia, uh, where gifted students in a private academy were taught, basically was a test area for the in-development C-virus, so it's a prequel to Resident Evil 6, and the development of the, in particular, I think it's the C-16 Lepatitica, the gas thing, the gas thing that caused all the all the outbreaks. So it, she, she, one of the students was being tested on and became a Lepatitica, you know what I mean. Eloquently explained. Yeah, <laughs> that that's kind. Of, I mean, this storyline is not too bad, it, and you kind of follow Ricky and Doug Wright as they explore got Mother Delinkus and all her shenanigans. There's lots to it. It just, as Sean said, it just went on for a long time with very little pay- uh, payoff, other than oh, this is this is the the, the progenitor of the of the city virus. It was the, it was the setting, wasn't it? And the sort of slight Japanese over-sexualization because the artwork in itself, Batman's right, was actually very good. And there were some interesting sort of kind of plot points and elements in it. There was a lot of filler, but when the actual mm. biohazard really starts getting going at the school, it, it does get really good. When Chris and Mera and, uh, sorry, Mira yeah. and P- Pierce turn up, it does actually get really good. But again, its, it's storyline was spoiled in some respects because it featured Carla in there, but she was described in the comic as Ada, and obviously we already knew that wasn't true, which spoiled it a little bit. But I think it would have been, I think it was 38 issues overall, so it, it, for the story it told, you could have condensed that into maybe 10 
Mm. And it, it really should have been, you know, it really should have started and finished its run before Resident Evil 6 came out. Because I think it started in June 2012 in Japanese. And by the time it completed its run and was fully localized into English, it was the middle of 2015. So it was three years from start to finish. Long time, long time <laughs> of not a lot, of not a lot. Worth quite a lot of money now if you've got the English, um, the English tomes. So keep hold of them if you uh, if you've got the full collection, which is one to five. Uh, looking back on the past ten years of Resident Evil, there's some extreme highs and extreme lows. I was checked out on the franchise back in 2012. I played RE5 years prior, and I liked it, but it just it wasn't the the RE that I grew up with. You know, six I didn't even bother with until years later. 2015 was the high point because that was the return to the franchise for me that is the re-release of remake one and i got it on my ps i think it came out on ps3 first i don't know if i paid it on ps3 but the bulk of it I, i've played on ps4 and that just reignited my fandom it brought me back to being a young man again playing remake on my gamecube and just being completely obsessed with it and then it was a one-two punch of remake and then the re-release of zero coming out and that that just reignited my fandom you know revelation 2 came out a couple couple years later and, and that was fantastic but by the time re7 came around i was i was all in and re7 blew me away and that was really the jump start of this modern era i bought my psvr just for re7 it's still one of the most incredible experiences i've had playing any video game let alone an re game since then and what they've done with seven to remake and three re remake as much as i wish they weren't remakes and i wish they were just original re games in that style they're really knocking out of the park a little bit of detour with village to get holds up as the previous three releases but i am very very hopeful for the future of this franchise so that's 20 kind of 14 merging into 2015 depending on your release dates and 2015 was certainly the year of healing and in this year we had three major releases resident evil revelations 2 which we've already touched upon another manga started its release in heavenly island as well which i think warrants a second look and we also have the release of biohazard the stage something which I remember completely came out of left field. We had no idea, and it was a pleasant surprise for everyone. So, we'll, 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 should we start with the stage, just out of interest? Because we've, we've, we've done a bit of Revelations too, we'll come back to it. So, if anyone hasn't watched it, and it is available on YouTube with an English kind of uh, subtitles, please check it out before it gets taken down again. Just, Google, just YouTube Biohazard the Stage. This is well worth your time. And it's a new storyline uh, in the town of Philosophy in Western Australia with the T-Virus being exper experimented upon by uh, Tyler, I'm going to say his name, Tyler Howard, Ryan Howard and, uh, and those people uh, in, in, a, in a university. And of course, features the, the first canon return at the time of Rebecca Chambers. And we've got Chris, we've got Pierce, we've got some cool flashbacks. And from a stage production point of view, it was it's really, really good. And you, you'll see you'll see firsthand. You've got tyrants, you've got zombies, you've got someone turning into a big thing at the end. What more could you want? But it really did come out of left field. No one had any expectations of it. And when everyone saw it, I think most people were taken back by it. What did uh, Sean, I know you were a fan of the stage. Yeah, I, th I think the stage is wonderful. I said on the original stage podcast that as, a, as someone who enjoys theatrical 
shows anyway the stage was always going to resonate with me in some way and uh, i think i think the actual story is genius i think rebecca's done better in this than she is in vendetta which is unfortunate because obviously people you know mainstream sort of people class vendetta as rebecca's big return when it was actually this i think there's a number of easter eggs which are really cool the way they use like the um typing text in the backgrounds you know projected onto the backgrounds to do, do the files i think was genius um they repeat some animations so like i remember when chris pushes the giant statue he he mimics the pushing animation in the games which is you know it's just full of these nice little moments that celebrate the series really really well i think the characters are realized in ways that you recognize flashbacks are, are done so so spectacularly well um, there's a really lovely Chris and uh, Rebecca Spencer Mansion flashback where if you're focused on the actors, you don't notice the sort of set sliding out and being replaced with the mansion. They, they project like the zombies' faces onto actors, and it's it's kind of weird at first, but then you're won over by the sort of theatrical element of it. It's wonderful. Um, it's it, not enough people have seen it, and and if you've got a, the DVD, you are one of the very elite few because I've been trying to track that DVD down. For a reasonable price for years and it is absolutely obscenely priced now so if you've got it hold on to it yeah love it robbie what did you think of the stage and at that point where we were in the in, in the decade uh, a nice moment of calm and of reprieve i think I think for me, for a lot of, I think for you guys, I know this sounds really crazy thinking about it, but I think for you guys, you kind of were, as you, you kind of alluded to, Nick, you were kind of surprised that it was what it was. I was a little bit more acutely aware, and I'm not saying you guys weren't, that Japan does some interesting little side projects with things. And it goes back to like, even with things that you do know, like 40 Executor and all that sort of stuff. And so I remember there used to be some Japanese biohazard fan pages around in the late 90s early 2000s and so they would always announce when they would do like special products and stuff like that and obviously we didn't have good translation but you could see pictures and you kind of got a general gist of what they were and so for me it just feels like a continuation of that it's like it's the same thing as like alex was when alex was on he's talking about like you know having the biohazard cafe you know having different things on so for me it's just continuing that trend of like japan makes I want to call them extracurriculars. Like they're they're things outside of the realm of what the franchise would normally be. And this kind of goes back, I guess, to what I was saying about Welcome to Raccoon City and 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 stuff. It's like the the stigma of gaming as a child thing just doesn't really seemingly exist in Japan. Or if it did, it didn't last very long. And so you make things that are adult oriented for fans of a franchise, be that graphic novels or stage plays or you know. So I think it it it's it, the fact that it's good, you know, is a bent as a bonus, but I think they would have made this regardless because it's just the thing they sort of do. So yeah, I don't I don't think there's anything else that you guys haven't already touched touched on I can say about it, to be honest. Batman, what did you think? No, I would agree. I think it's a very enjoyable entry. Very ambitious, you know, for the story it told for a stage play. I was expecting something a bit like the experience really, where it was just sort of you know, a lot of people stuck in a room. I thought it was going to be very, very sort of downplayed. But this had, you know, this had really impressive action sequences. It had tyrants in it, flashbacks. You know, it was very ambitious for a stage play. Um, and, yeah, very enjoyable. I thought, um, you know, the characters and the storyline was uh, was very enjoyable. So, yeah, it's a worthy entry for me. And a nice expansion of the BSAA as well. We have the Oceanic, the Oceania. Yeah, with Sophie Home and... 
I think Pierce rivals Leon for trying to chat up every woman in the series. So, 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 Sophie Home, you say? <laughs> yeah, I know, that's my only point I wanted to make. Yeah. <laughs> She's very nice. She's very nice. She's very uh, nice. There's a few very <laughs> nice ones. George, yeah, George, what did, what did you think of the stage? How were you at this point in the uh, in 2015? I must have been quite despondent with this series because um, so I, I was actually going to cheat and say that I just cannot add anything more to what Stars has just said, but actually I haven't seen it in its entirety. But fucking hell, that was an incredible review by Stars. I really, really want to see it to its completion now. I think because the experience came out first, didn't it? No, this is, first. this is first. Was this before the experience? Yeah. And that was which, which that the experience was the the opera. Is that, is that right? Or was that was the second? No, play? no, we've got we've got that. We've got so the stage came out first. Uh, okay. In- 2015 then next year and we'll get to it in a minute is the voice of Gaia Gaia oh it was the voice of Gaia that's it but no I really generally that I'm for people for people listening that'll be very interesting because I didn't realize it was of that standard I really want to watch it now just on on stars to review it varies depending on your mileage of how you enjoy theatrical shows because I do I was interested in what you were saying about no the the, the set changes and 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 the kind of the the flashbacks as well We're, we're literally talking about people literally wheeling stages on set on stage as you as you're watching the actors so well thankfully 2015 was certainly a highlight in terms of games as we had Re- resident evil revelations 2 release in that year and interestingly the first and only time where it's been released episodically uh, which made for an interesting podcast experience and the only time i haven't actually uh, hosted a podcast because i don't do da- uh, digital downloads I-, I waited patiently for the physical release so uh, i was absent from from those uh, podcasts but Revelations 2 came and answered the questions all about Alex Wesker. It brought back the joy that was Barry Burton, uh, Moira Burton, Claire stuck on another prison island, and introduced uh, someone who I called Not Lucia. So we had lots going on in, Reve- <laughs> in Revelations 2. And personally, it's one of my favourite over-the-shoulder games in the Resident Evil series. It features so much gore, a good return to gore. There hasn't been a lot of gore in the series for a long time. You know, some of the set pieces are fantastic. The the actual prison itself, even though on paper you're in a situation, Claire stuck on an island in a prison with, you know, torture elements. Oh, it's Code Veronica. No, it's not. It's a different island and it had a completely different feeling to it. And I think Capcom needs a bit of credit for that. And the whole, the whole place, I've been recently streaming it as well. I've thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed myself with it. It's just, just about in that, in that kind of balance of survival horror versus yeah. action. It's probably, it, it's probably just it's stepped over, a couple of steps over into the action territory for my liking, but perfectly playable, very much enjoyable. And it has a forest section in the night which is what I've been asking for since time began. And that's the closest we've had in 25 years of that happening. I just think the whole thing is so well-crafted and obviously it's limited budget. For me, this this was the sign that um, Resident Evil was coming back to its survival horror experience. I was very happy with the finished product. Batman, you weren't as keen on it compared to, say, Revelations, as we kind of touched upon earlier. What's your take on Revelations 2 now in terms of the kind of evolution of Biohazard at this point? It was. It, did you think you agree that it was kind of stepping into a different territory to what we'd seen in the past, you know, three years prior? Definitely, yeah. I mean, Revelations 2 
yeah, I I prefer the first one personally, but I think Revelations 2 is a very good game and it was definitely a step in the right direction, steering us away from what happened in Resident Evil 6 and more towards what we were going to get with Resident Evil 7. I enjoyed the episodic nature of it. Um, I remember doing those podcasts and they were probably some of the most fun ones we did because we were able to go into detail about the one chapter we'd played whilst also speculating what we think was going to come and that reminded me of the the sort of old days where you know we'd go into these massive in-depth discussions on the forum so that was that was nice at the time revelations 2 for me its biggest disappointment again i have issues with the story i didn't like what they did with alex wesker the whole mind transfer thing was just bollocks for me but i did enjoy certain elements you know i i loved the return of the uroboros virus i thought that was very very good and that was something capcom i think kept hidden you know i think i remember shortly before the game was released someone had, had circled a screenshot of the the telltale you know orange nacelle and the uruboros tentacle sticking out of one of the monsters which was a really good spot and lo and behold it turned out to be true but the game has some very good sections uh a highlight for me personally is the i think it's claire chapter two where you go through the fishing village at night where they're trying to fix and get the parts for the helicopter i thought that was really good barry coming back again was good it was the same writer disato who uh, came back and for revelations 2 who he wrote revelations 1 so there was some nice continuity there they mentioned terra grigia and things like that barry and natalia walking through the sort of chernobyl style town in the rain is something i remember very well as well but again yeah just problems with the story like neil fisher I remember in the reveal trailer and we saw Neil Fisher a uh, picture of him and I, I remember posting on bio here's you know, he might as well have a t-shirt or hold up a big sign saying I am the <laughs> villain in this game. It was so yeah. telling. But yeah, really good, solid game. Um again, it's a it's another one I haven't played for a number of years, so I do keep meaning to go back to it. Another solid entry. Yeah, I th- I, I think a lot of people played it and then, you know, enjoyed it. But I think going back you really do get a lot more out of it. And um, just from my own personal experience, I had it on PS3 and then upgraded it to the PS4 version. The difference was night and day. I could actually see what was going on. And I, I just found the PS4 version so much better than um, what I had on PS3 at the time. Um, and I've thoroughly enjoyed myself with it. But um, George, you're a, you're a big advocate of yes. Revelations 2. You, you even said at the beginning that it was probably your favourite game of the decade. That's a big <laughs> that's a big claim. I'm probably forgetting about half the entries that uh, <laughs> during that decade. But I think you have to look at the Resident Evil games you play the most. I mean, I've, I've got a, a later date delve into this. I've got stunned to hear how long you haven't played Remake for. I, Re- Revelations 2, I play considerably more than most of the main titles. I cannot stand episodic stages in Resident Evil. I don't want them anywhere near my video games. I'm, you know, I I understand it's not going to be open world, but at the same time, you know, I just the fact that Resident Evil Three, you're so the original, you're so far into the game uh, when you're collecting Jill's diary entries, and in order to get them in the right order, you've got to go all the way back. The fact that you can go all the way back. So the fact that these episodic stages just have no effect on me, it's always testament to just how much I enjoy in this game, the atmosphere, the characterization. I don't tend to like to have two characters in the same scenario. I think it can regress the tension, but I think in this game, 
it plays so well. The different, you know, the different abilities you can play off with each other with Barry and Natalia, I think works so well and in, in some cases kind of immerse you even further. So then you do get the extra tension that may have been lacking that you'd normally get, say, with Billy and Rebecca in Resident Evil Zero. Yeah, the return of Claire, although, you know, there are question marks over the voice acting and, and the characterization. I thought Michael McConaughey plays Barry fantastically. But the voice acting aside, I think the gameplay design is fantastic. The locations, one of the highlights for me is that kind of Spencer Mansion area that Barry is investigating towards the end yeah just wonderful survival horror mixed with the action and but again you see this is the action reminded me of the more intelligent stuff that we got in Lost in Nightmares that didn't feel just like the relentless one dimension and action that you would get in Resident Evil 5 so like with the glass for example, and just just little small things that just really made I think putting it put it put in clever locations with clever gameplay design and the action mixed with that survival horror. I just almost perfection for me this game. Uh, Rombi, what was your take on Revelations to a highlight for you? Yeah, it was. I mean, for, uh, well, for multiple reasons. I mean, I was still in the UK at the time, and as you guys might recall, I got to go to the Capcom demo event with the producers there and stuff so on like a personal note that was a really fun experience to go to and play the game before it even came out a little bit of it anyway it was a bit of the first chapter and see a little bit of the um raid mode as well so that was a fun experience in itself but also yeah as um john said the coming together and recording every week over a month what we had experienced and then what we were expecting was a really fun experience and i really did enjoy that it was a it was cool it was a, it, it was exactly as you said like coming kind of being like on a forum back in the day and kind of like oh well the theory about blah blah you know this happened what do you think or pointing out something that you noticed that maybe someone else hadn't and um that was a really really cool way to kind of experience a game it's not something i would like to do lots of all the time like it would wear thin if you if everything was episodic but it is an every once in a while kind of deal it would be kind of a was kind of a fun fun way to do it and, and as a game I, I enjoyed it it's it's not my most favorite uh title in the franchise but it was a fun experience there's some great atmospheric moments i think we talked about that in the episode and then in the one once you were able to play it nick just about the atmosphere that the island and the environments provide being probably one of the big highlights of the of the game and the, and the general banter and and the way it was written was was quite good as far as i was concerned um as john said the one of the obvious villains in the piece was might as well have had a t-shirt or a stamp on his forehead and and some of the elements of which which go into the story a bit cliche and, and and as we've talked about a little bit the end a little bit um out there and a little bit weird but as a gameplay experience and as, a, as an experience, it was a it was a it was a, an amazing highlight and something that I wasn't expecting to be as good as it was. Similar view, Sean. Yeah, um, I had a blast doing those those um, episodic podcasts, to be honest. And I think it, it, you know when you re-listen back to it, I think uh, the sort of enthusiasm is palpable. I, I've always been a big fan of this game. I was I was initially lukewarm to that first episode, but then once you start going around like the fishing village and the uh, the city districts and the rain, the atmosphere totally won me over. And uh, I have nothing but fun memories to it. I do share John's opinion that I do think the Alex Wesker storyline was um, ultimately disappointing for what it ended up being. But I'm just pleased we had, in some ways, a sense of closure to a storyline I never thought we were going to get closure for. You know, we sat in limbo for years wondering whether this was ever going to be a point that was followed up. And obviously we all speculated Simmons was Alex Wesker when all the Resident Evil 6 promo came out. And then we finally got a game that dealt with it. And yeah, nothing but fond memories for, for Revelations 2. Uh, the mind transfer line is nonsense, but 
by this point in the series where we are, I'm kind of used to nonsense by now. I, we shouldn't be, <laughs> but we are. But unfortunately. we are. You know, we have, I mean, already in 2003, you know, not to go out of this, what we're discussing too much, but we had fucking leeches that can mimic a man down to the the, the wardrobe he was wearing. So digitizing <laughs> consciousness and transferring it to somebody else was not any more out there than that kind of thing. But it's nice to have a bit more horror, I think, in this. I Absolutely, mean, yeah. I've seen some people be a little bit harsh on Revelations 2 for including too too much gore and too much body horror. And, you know, to me, it's no more grotesque than watching William Birkin's face melt down into his torso, monstrosities sprout out of his body. Body horror has been first first and foremost a part of this series since the, the first time you ever read, you know, the Itchy Tasty Keeper's Diary. You know, that's that's body horror in literal form. This was very graphic, I won't lie. Been there before in this series, and, it, and it, it's interesting that this is kind of a springboard to it going into further places later. I think it made a nice change uh, from what where we're at at that point. From a personal point of view with Revelations 2, I, I, I struggled with the sheer volume of options. Um, and this is a problem I have with a lot of, ga- a lot of games. There's too many, too many buttons to do things. And I, Jesus Christ. I mean, there's too many statuses. There's what, bleeding and then there's like gunk on your face. Um, and then you've got to think about, I can't talk talkwets or something. I can't remember. You know that kind of thing. And then you got. Oh, I don't even you, bother with those. Yeah. I just can't be. Yeah, I just can't be bothered. It's so much going on. I just, you know, uh, to give it credit, at least you can. There's about twenty different button configurations that you can change to how you how you like to play your games. You want Resident Evil Four style, Classic style, whatever. There, there's so much going on in Revelations mm. with the um, with the kind of inventory and there's points you can get do things. I don't know what. I, I think you're, I don't know what other, everyone else thinks. There's someone, well, everyone else thinks, there's someone, myself, people who've seen me stream can tes- testify to this. I really do struggle with, with controls that are, go further than, you know, up, right, left and down. But <laughs> I, 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 honestly, Nick, I didn't tend to find that. I take your point. That I, so I don't even go near the torquettes. And, and you just, you, yeah, you have that upgrade system that's a bit RPG. But other than that, I, I, I found the controls okay. I only actually find that the only reason I don't play it for even longer is after about an hour and a half or so, I get slight motion sickness with it. So I don't know if that's a frame rate issue. It's not that. It's just that you've got to remember that there's sub, like two lots of sub weapons and then there's a, there's a button to press to do your health, but you don't necessarily press that. And oh, God knows which one it is. Then there's like command <laughs> buttons for the other characters. I'm like, oh my God, I don't know which one it is. I get okay. very I get very flustered. And I just I just want to run and shoot and hide and whatever. Anyway, but that was that. But it was generally a very wonderful experience, uh, and it was it was a real return for horror. And I think if I remember correctly, when we did our kind of like overview podcast, we're like it's going back. I think we we'd had the HD releases um, of remake and zero, or they're very close to coming out, and we had Revelations two, and we could see this pattern developing. I know were they going back? Were they going? Were we getting? what I would call old-school survival horror. To end the year, we also had the start of um, Biohazard Heavenly Island, the second manga. Now, again, this was this was widely dismissed, I think, by a lot of the fandom, and, and for very good reason. I mean, if you look at the opening uh, tome one, it is just bikini-clad ladies running around on a TV programme, like Pop Idol or whatever it was. That's so, 
idle survive or something and you're like well th- this is this is this is terrible but actually if you dig that little bit deeper and carry on with it it's a really good storyline that it that harkens back to the survival of the fittest storyline that's hinted at in Resident Evil Survivor uh, with how they made the the, the hypnos tyrant and, got, and and whatnot and it's actually really really good and i know john you're a big fan of the heavenly island storyline yeah for the reasons you've just said i think it's um once you get past all the the survival idol bikini stuff in the first sort of 10 chapters it, it turns into a really really good storyline lots of ties to other games as well mm. um umbrella core revelations with parker coming back um revelations 2 with alex Mention of Spencer as well and a bit of history of the old Umbrella. Yeah, it was a really, really good storyline. And unfortunately, it's it's the only piece of canonical material we've got that hasn't been um, officially localised, which is a big shame. It's I think it's on the whole better than Mahara Desire. I, I like the fact they had like a Hunter BOW as well. And it almost had like, was it like two two like rival organisations almost going up against each other with BOWs trying to find the strongest one? It was like... I think it was frustrating because we'd, you know, we were all getting a bit sick of all the games and films being quite self-contained, and then we get this really obscure manga that pretty much has ties to three or four other storylines, and it's just frustrating that we never got those kind of connections in one of the mainline games. It's Claire's last canonical appearance, I think, in the timeline. Yeah, so it's set 2014, so five years after the events of uh, Resident Evil 5. But again, it is well worth well worth checking out if you can. Uh, but as as John says, it's not been alluded to. Did but like Mahara Desire, bloody hell, did that go on for a long time as well? But it it, it wasn't quite that. It, it wasn't marketed as much as a tie into Revelations Two. Much was it? It didn't quite have that same. Oh, this is the the must see prequel to Revelations Two. Like Mahara Desire was like the must see prequel to Five. Not that I remember. No, I think it was. Um, I, I can't remember actually. I don't think it was advertised as any kind of prequel or tie into anything. I think it was just appeared as its own thing. And then it was the. I think it was the front cover for Volume Four featured the uh, the Merc from Umbrella Corps. So we knew it was going to tie into that. And then it obviously brought in the Alex Wesker stuff as well. So. Yeah, really, really good storyline. I would urge anyone who hasn't read it yet to um, check it out. Dustin, what did you think of Heavenly Island? You pretty much summed it up, Nick. <clears throat> when you start reading, you sort of overwhelmed how, oh, just, would you even want, to, you know, I'm even hesitant to call it fan service. I don't even know what you call that uh, in the first few episodes. Yeah, issues. And then it, it, it does turn into a, a genuinely interesting. Remember, by the time I was about two thirds of the way through, I was absolutely loving it, you know. I just couldn't wait. As a page turner, if you will, I think the connections to Revelations Two are excellent because this is not Revelations Two. Sorry, Lost in Nightmares because this is the island that Spencer is continuing to send all his subjects to, and wondering why he sent having to send so many to Alex. And so that kind of fills because one of the things that Revelations Two is kind of guilty for is it's not explicitly implied that the island that you're on as Claire is not the island that's implied in Lost in Nightmares. So this kind of fills a gap that I think, unfortunately, due to its lack of localization, not enough people know. Like, the the island that's described in Lost in Nightmares is not the island that you're actually on in Revelations 2. It's the island in Heavenly Island. So it fills a nice gap. Parker's appearance is is pretty neat. Chris has got, like, a two-, three-page cameo. It's a really cool slice of Resident Evil. It's just a shame it has to go through so many dubious issues before it gets there. 
with um, what started with like the stage and was for, continued in Resident Evil Resistance, carried on in this. I don't know what who the hell is naming some of these characters for Resident Evil, but we've had Posh Brown, Martin Sandwich, and in this, the glorious Mike Seaman. <laughs> what is going on? <laughs> oh, yes, Mike D. Seaman, what a legend. There we go. Uh, Rob, Robby, what did you think of Heavenly Island? Uh, I, I've never read it, and I, I don't know if you remember. I remember there was something about one of the quiz questions, and I just took a, I took a guess about the bikini-clad zombie ladies or something, and that's it. That's all. Well, <laughs> I completely took a guess at it. It was one of the... In some podcasts, Rob would have been the type of person to dress that up, you know, sort of doing a feigned little story about how he's kind of seen parts of it. But no, he just fucking just totally unleashes upon us. And I even read it. <laughs> I've never read it. I've never read it. I'm going to be completely honest. And I, yeah, I, I can't hide that fact since, since that quiz question. I can't remember which episode it was. No. Someone will probably be able to tell us. But I remember saying to you, you, you had the question. I was just like, I, I don't know. Because I think it was like, what is on the cover of the series and i again i'd never read it so i just took a guess based off everything you guys had ever talked about and all the news stories <laughs> well, I, we, we, apparently i wasn't that far off so we may do uh, a manga podcast in the future i think we uh, i want to see what happens with the infinite darkness manga first but we may do a special one because we've never covered them really in much detail so that could be something to look forward to several the news stories several the news stories <laughs> <laughs> it, the natural conclusion george you follow? You didn't follow Heavenly Island as much as you did Mahara Desire. Initially, I did because I ordered. I ordered it and I had a copy, and I can't check to see what version it was because I promptly sold it back on eBay. Um, so I'm hoping Sean's not going to tell me it's worth a fortune because, as Sean knows, I'm the guy that sold Panzer Dragoon as well. I got. I think it was in French the version I got. I'm sure because I got it to translate it. I'm sure it wasn't in Japanese, but um, it came out in. German, definitely, and uh, possibly French. Well, I had a copy, and 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 just, I just, I mean, I'm a modern man, but in some contexts, I can accept a bikini, uh, but not not in survival horror, and it was just awful. And but I'm so frustrated that I didn't get past those initial issues because, yeah, I remember at the time, yeah, Batman pointing out that you know, I talking about the Alex Wesker Island, and I thought, well, if it's just, you know, that's great, but if it's just that, still, there's just not enough. But no, listening to to, to Sean and listening to Stars and Batman talk about it now, I'm I'm gonna get, yeah, I'm gonna re- read that now. It's just those early issues, and what a shame. Again, it's almost again a microcosm of this thing of Capcom maybe not knowing what they're gonna do. I mean, if they're gonna put all that into it, why why start set it in that ridiculous scenario? Hey guys, Snurfer is here from the United States calling in to say the last 10 years of Resident Evil have been a blast. In 2012, I played Revelations for the first time after it came to the Xbox 360 and had a pretty good time with it. The same year, we also got to experience Resident Evil 6, which in hindsight was a bit of a stinker, but I've got fond memories of getting it at a GameStop midnight release, and honestly, I thought the set pieces were awesome at the time, and there was so much story in the game. It's not held up very well, but thinking about it now, I really did have a blast with it. I think it was around this time that the HD remaster started to come out too. Being able to play 
play Resident Evil Zero, Remake, 4, and Code Veronica in HD on current-gen hardware absolutely breathed new life into the series for me, and probably played a big part in keeping the flame of my love for the series lit. If HD ports of the original Resident Evils 2 and 3 were released, I would have bought them in a heartbeat. Shout out to the Seamless HD projects. I so vividly remember my first experiences with each game. RE7 was the first game I played as an adult, and started a tradition of clearing my schedule and blocking out the windows to play all day on launch day. This was in a college apartment with roommates, and all throughout the day, they'd pass through the living room, watch a little, and share in the terror of the bakers. I did the same thing with Remake 2, 3, and Village, and what I'm realizing is that while the series has had its ups and downs, and I'll never love a game more than the fixed camera originals, We've had a fairly steady stream of releases that have given me really fun and memorable experiences. Even if the series has gone in new, crazy directions, I'm thankful that it's still here, and we've still got new content to look forward to that makes us all recall the fondness of the past. Just by virtue of being Resident Evil, every new game reminds me of the nostalgia from the older ones. Thanks for letting me guess a little about my favorite series. My personal favorite experience from the last 10 years is 100% Remake 2. It's got its shortcomings, but the game was so, so good. I won't hold my breath for it, but what I would like to see more than anything in the next 10 years would be a new AAA fixed camera Resident Evil. It'll probably never happen, but imagine how cool it would be to explore something like Rockford Island for the first time again with modern video game graphics and amenities. Anyway, that's my piece. I've loved the last 10 years of Resident Evil, and I'm really looking forward to the next 10. There we go. Well, that finishes 2015. We now plow on to 2016, and what a year 2016 was. It's the 20th anniversary of Resident Evil. Surely Capcom are going to release something special. And and, and special they did, but maybe not that type of special, for we had two releases in 2016 of, of new material. We had Biohazard, The Voice of Gaia, which was a uh, musical uh, that was set in Japan. Well, sorry, well, the story was set in Italy, but it was in uh, a Japanese uh, follow-up to the stage. And we also had Umbrella Corp. Now, I'm not sure if anyone's heard our views on Umbrella Corps before, um, but I think we're going to quickly retread on them. Uh, so Umbrella Corps was an interesting game. <coughs> no, I, I can't do this. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> I can't, I can't, Umbrella Corpse. It hurts me. It, well, it doesn't even have Resident Evil in the title, so kind of, you could be excused for not... Uh, can, I, can I ignore it? You needed a physical copy. <laughs> don't tell... Yeah, don't remind me. Don't remind me that I had to buy a physical copy. <laughs> Sorry, Sean, I don't mean to talk over you. I'm going to hand the reins to Sean, because he's played it far more than I have. I can't, I can't. It, it, it's a woeful... Multiplayer, it's an even worse single player game. It doesn't play well. Like, I don't know why people embraced it as much as they did. Even in the basis, the the most basic level as a multiplayer experience, if you even get some friends to play a session with you, it's maybe okay, but that's only because you're playing with people you know. On every other level, this game is utterly redundant, and the fact that they charged... The prices they did for it when it should have been, at best, a free-to-play type is ludicrous. It is woeful. It is the... the uh, yeah, move on. Please, come on, take over. I'm not going... I've just... Down this, I'm not going down this avenue again, George. I'm not, I'm not doing it. No, yet. no, I'm, I'm pissed off. I'm just going to miss game. How many copies, have, how many copies have, you, have you got? Uh, I'm muting the microphone now and someone else can talk. You bought it, you... <laughs> You bought it at least yeah. twice, though, haven't you? 
I got it digitally on PS4 because there was no European release. Then I decided that because aspects of it were allegedly canon because of the experiment, I got the uh, physical release, the Asian oh. physical release, reversible Biohazard Resident Evil cover. And then because I'd always heard that the PS3 version is, uh, sorry, mm. the PC version, the PC version is. Um, by and far the most stable and high, you know, 60 frames a second locked and all that. I picked up the PC version in a Steam sale for about £3. So <laughs> the way I justified it was it was less than the price of a pint. That was fine. No, it's not, because you could have drunk the pint and be happy. That's true. Batman, uh, <laughs> you've, you've always defended it for some reason. Well, it's yeah, it's a poor game. But I, I I don't really understand why everyone really really hates it. I think it's I think it's I think it's just okay. You know, I had fun with it. I appreciated the little bits of lore and world building we got. And it, I don't know. I don't, I don't get it. I'm not saying it's, I'm not saying it's good. I'm not defending it. I just I don't understand why people think it's completely unplayable. You know, they seem they seem to view it as this like you know as like a heresy on the series, and I don't really get it. It's it was fine. It was just it's a bit like you know the new film Welcome to Raccoon City. It was yeah, it was poor overall, but it was fine for what it was. I'm personally offended by this game, and it is the worst piece of trash that has ever existed. No, I, I'm honestly, I totally get what John's saying. It's, it's, it is what it is. <laughs> is is I, there any point to pursue behind the fact that that Resident Evil isn't in the title? Is there anything behind that? It is. It is though, George. It's only like the digital UK version that doesn't say it. Oh, I thought. I thought across the it, whole. It's called Biohazard Umbrella Core in Japan, right? And Are Resident sure? Evil. In Asia. And if you pick up the Asian version, yeah, with a reversible cover, it says Resident Evil Umbrella Core. I mean, I, I, I saw cover art for it, which was just Umbrella Core. Must, that must have been the digital oh, version. The UK I was going to say I can't talk. I have. T- essentially two copies of it although i only really bought one i bought the game on the playstation store it was the ultimate collector thing they had on a sale it was like two dollars not even that it was like a dollar 98 and i thought well i only played the beta originally maybe i should actually try the final product and this was after we had the podcast podcast oh no it was just before the podcast i think it was we were talking something john had said and i was like well i should probably try the single player but you wish you had and then i bought a capcom bundle one of those humble bundles and it had like resident evil 4 and like a couple of dead rising games and it was like all the tears and the the but the, the umbrella course was in all the tears but i paid for the one that i had all the most games so it just came with it for free basically because it was in every single tier I will say the um, the DLC, the free DLC they released, the Four Survivors mode, was pretty good because it added uh, you could change the maps to nighttime to give it a bit more atmosphere, and it would play classic soundtracks from the original games, mm. which was pretty good. Like playing through the the husk of the Antarctic base with like a blazing snowstorm at night with the old Code Veronica music it was pretty good, and there was less backtracking in Umbrella Core than Code Veronica as well. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you use that game to beat Code Veronica with? That no, there's also there's also a hundred percent less being crushed by a platform as you grab a crystal wall too. So I'm I'm quite happy with that too. What yeah. I want to talk about though is the fact that this game was released in the first place in terms of where it fitted following the you know the, the overwhelming positive release of revelations 2 and it go we go back once again to sean's kind of hey 
This is good. This I, is bad. I think one of the things I'm going to say, which I said kind of really, but it's another point I wanted to add to it, is that sometimes these development cycles change. So, you know, Revelations was a low-budget title. At pro- let's say they had 18 months total to work on it. I don't know. I'm just pulling that number out of the air. But you could also say that maybe the same thing was for this. They all of a sudden just went, hey, our market research says we should try a multiplayer shooter. We think we can allocate this amount of budget. It, and they did because they used uh, was it Unity to for the game engine. So they wanted a yeah. quick development tool. They wanted to test the waters. And I think that's really what it comes down to. They just went, look, this is a... This is an adjacent franchise thing. They obviously did look at the law aspects at one point, but then just decided it was better not to, to try and mess with that. And it was probably more of a toe in the water to see how it could go because it was a trend in gaming. Like it is for the asymmetric ones and it is for everything else that they've kind of put out. The other online titles have all been based on a populist trend. You know, I'm waiting waiting for a full-on battle royale game. It wouldn't surprise me because they would go, right, well, might as well try it. And it could be, and when I say that, I don't mean Resident Evil, but I mean like, Here's all the Capcom characters. We're going to put them in there. And the, and they have instead, obviously, rather part thought, we're not going to bother this. We'll just put our characters into other popular titles of that type, which is why you get Street Fighter characters turning up on Fortnite. There we go. The Umbrella Corpse really was a was a dent in, in the hopes that Revelations 2 was taking us down uh, a better path. Well, it wasn't much better. It wasn't much better the rest of 2016. We also had the voice of Gaia. Mm. which I'll very briefly touch upon. But uh, this is still available on YouTube. If you want to endure that, you can. Uh, If you thought the stage was brilliant, um, you need to lower your expectations. Um, If the idea of a musical Resident Evil is a silly one, then uh, 10 points, that is correct. And this is this is all about singing zombies, or at least zombies that sway to the sound of a particular musical beat. It's about an ancient virus that must be like the T virus that comes from uh, a whale, uh, the corpse of a whale, or something like that. I, 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 I it's 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 ridiculous. I don't think it's canon. I, I don't know where it fits. We don't we don't know enough about it. Um, to see if it's canon. It seems to be on its own completely separate path, but it, it, it is utterly strange. But, it might, you know, if you've got a passing interest, check it out. It's not, it's not like Umbrella Corps. It's not completely offensive. Batman, we don't know a lot about it, do we, in terms of its canon? Well, it's not canon because it's a musical. And like you say, it's about singing zombies. It's or zombies that you sing at to kill them. You know, it's. I, I think us as fans are partly to blame for looking at these things and instead of taking a simple approach and saying, well, yeah, it's clearly not canon, we always look for ways to try and make it fit. You know, just because it's got Kobayashi on as a supervisor doesn't mean it has to be canonical. Um, I think it's a post-apocalyptic scenario anyway, so it can't be canon. I know there's this silly argument that it's always sometime in the future, but that's just ridiculous. It's just, it's quite clearly its own thing. It's not part of the established universe. Does anyone else have any comments about it at all we could, uh, before we move on? No, I never saw it, Nick. All I will say is that the uh, you know the darkest hours are that before the dawn, and I think we all collectively know what's coming next year. Hey, R.E.P. Malakota here with my 10-year hot take. At the beginning of, I guess, the series, as a child, I always loved everything about it. I loved hearing about the viruses, the scientific aspect of it, and just even the characters. Every aspect of Resident Evil I was just obsessed with. Growing older, it even influenced me to get more into a science field, just because there was always so much there to learn. Not in a bad way, I'm not going to do anything crazy, but it's just such an interesting story for a whole 
series and a game specifically that it can lead so far to make people talk about it and be obsessed over it for more than over 20 years by now. When I was younger, it was really hard getting used to some new changes, loose canon and everything, Resident Evil 6. When Resident Evil 7 first came out, I also didn't like it because there were so many changes. But over time, you know, I've grown to love a lot of these games really deeply. Some of them even taking first place for my picks now. Resident Evil 7 is on my top, like top of the list. It's gotta be there. Stuff like Revelations, even some of the side games, Resident Evil Dead Aim will always have a part in my heart and always be part of my canon. Loose canon was hard to get used to, but it definitely helps along the way to get the story you really want from it. And it kind of helps as well finding different communities within loose canon that you can get along with, discuss, and get excited about the story with. 2017, a fantastic year-ish. Uh, who wants who wants to start? Do we want positive or, or do we get do we get the, the worst parts out of the way? Get the worst bit out of the way. We gotta... so as, a, as a reminder for everyone, 2017 saw the release of three new uh, titles. We had Biohazard The Experience, which was the last of the uh, stage shows, at least for now. Um, that was more traditional in the sense of that it was a you know a properly acted theatre show in the same mould as the stage. We had Resident Evil 7, which we've touched upon already in this podcast, but we also had Resident Evil Vendetta. So, Vendetta was an interesting experiment. <laughs> oh dear, Vendetta, Vendetta. I mean, it's such a funny... So this is the th obviously the third CGI film. We've got Leon, we've got Chris, and a kind of role reversal of what we saw in Resident Evil 6. It's a strange title. I've only ever, only ever watched it once when it first came out. I've never had the urge to watch it again. I will watch it again because uh, I feel compelled to at some point. But it's usually at the bottom of most people's list of the CGI films. And it felt, after Resident Evil 7, a bit of a kick in the teeth. I think, Sean, you'd agree with that. Absolutely. What part um, of it didn't you like? Uh, all of it, Nick. <laughs> um, with, with the exception to Rebecca, who I thought was a very um, lovely reintroduction to the character until she's made the damsel of distress, distress plot MacGuffin. And the plot MacGuffin she's given um so nonsense. So basically, she is the living replica of Glenn Arias as our chief villain, dead wife. So he concocts this elaborate scheme to resurrect his wife or something like that. I haven't watched it since it came out within Rebecca or something uh, using her arm that he's going to reattach to Rebecca. I just uh, it's beyond me. Um, the, the movie is terrible. It is it is out and terrible. Uh, the action is overblown and um, there's no concept of collateral in it. There's just so much death. Even though the novel I, I appreciate does expand on some of these issues a little bit, I find the movie is utterly redundant and is simply one of the lowest points of the series that carries the Resident Evil name to it. I utterly, utterly hate this film. Oh wow! Was it was it was it the use of the A virus and people suddenly being cured of of? Yeah. Great, great! You can come back to life with with hey, wonderful, and then bleed out and die. <laughs> charming, charming. George, what did you think of uh, Vendetta? And was it a was it a high point for you in this decade? Just everything that Stars has just said. I mean, just but 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 even more so, just hateful because it's taken this beloved character. And I'm a particular fan of Rebecca. I don't know, one of the few that that really really adores Resident Evil Zero, and to the point where I ex excuse it's ridiculous narrative. But you know, is it ridiculous when you compare it to what you know is going on with the antagonist in this? It's just yeah. I mean, nothing that Sean hasn't already said. It's utterly utterly 
preposterous but i think that you 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 can kind of laugh laugh it off but with with certain things but with this i can't when you know they include beloved characters like rebecca and it is in the format of you know when we've got the paul w sanderson films side of the fandom that finds those utterly utterly offensive to carry the resident evil name you kind of invest all hope in these cgi versions and you kind of take solace in the fact that this is actually this is the the official canon representation of resident evil on the big screen not those garbage films uh and so you know degeneration i i really liked damnation not so much um but liked it and yeah this this was a really really scraping the barrel uh, Rombi, what was your take on Vendetta? I, I think if we can go back to the actual episode and the, the conversation we had about the um, explosion. Yes. That, that's, that's all I feel about this movie, man. Like It's just like, how can you look at that scene and not un- see that it is unintentionally hum- humorous and it shouldn't be and realize how tonally off you are and that's the same with the action we got you know as, as stars alluded to the the essential body count like the, the carelessness in that regard the the rooftop running in circles shooting at each other fight the just so many moments where you go did nobody kind of look at this and step back and go eh, i'm not sure if this is really resident evil or biohazard is, is, does anyone get that feeling maybe we should retool this a little bit you know there's not inherently i don't mind that there could be a story narrative to do with his wife and and all that and and using viral agents and bioweapons to bring her try bring her back through dna and stuff that in this universe i could believe that but the way it's approached is just so ham-fisted it's it's not a great story and yeah i just go back to that whole wily coyote explosion really that 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 i like that movie lost me at that point it was barely holding me but as soon as that happened i was just like i can't take this seriously i found the concept of the avar is quite interesting and i like to i like to headcanon this i've mentioned it before on uh, on the discord i like the fact that rebecca was tested on it because for me, it ties in the fact that Rebecca was bitten by the Eliminator in Zero, which has always been a bit of a misnomer as to why she then wasn't infected with the T-virus, because it's the only time canonically you ever see someone bitten. I know there's other reasons, but I like to think that she was one of the few that were immune to the T-virus. Therefore, she was confident that if she, when she injected herself with the A-virus, that she would be able, she would be resisted, because obviously it's based on the same sort of thing. So that is my headcanon in full mode, and to me that gives uh, Vendetta a bit more legitimacy in tying up one of the many plot points of Zero. Um, so it, it's 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 five points from me on that. But Batman, uh, what about you? <laughs> um, I. I would agree with all the criticisms. It's certainly the weakest of the four CGI productions we've had, but I can take some positives from it. You know, I enjoyed the mansion prologue. I think Glenn Arius was um, probably the best villain we've had in the in the CGI mm. films. He was a good rival for Chris. Obviously, nice to see Chris and Leon working together. Didn't appreciate um, the sort of role reversal from Six. Thought it was pretty mm. pointless how uh, Leon was the drunk oppressive in this one. Um, I enjoyed the uh, some of the John Wick zombie action scenes sequences but yeah i agree with all the other criticisms it's a it's a very very forgettable film for me it's not a it's not a highlight i just add sorry this film was so appalling i forgot 
Batman's Right, that opening section, which I think was where we got the trade, the early trailer from. Yes, it was fantastic. Yeah, I completely forgot about that section. It was that was really really good. And so easily erased by everything else that came yeah. afterwards. Yeah, no, it actually was. As, well, when I say afterwards, it's basically from the fight that Chris has with Arius from there onwards at the end of that sequence. You go, what the what what did I, what hang on what what happened? And then after <laughs> that, it all kind of. The good news is, of course, that in 2017 we got a much better Resident Evil experience in the form of Resident Evil 7 Biohazard, which was, in my opinion, and we've already touched on it, so we don't need to do it too much, but a monstrous return to form, in my opinion. I know it is divisive amongst the fandom, with many people considering it not to be, you know, as well connected to the rest of the series. And I, I think, you know, that, that that's certainly a valid point. It's not quite as well intertwined um, with the with some of the beat, story beats we've had over the series. But for me, that is a, a welcome return. I think it needed this soft reboot, and Resident Evil's always thrived upon soft reboots. I mean, Resident Evil 4 goes out of its way to tell you, forget everything you knew, it's just Leon, Umbrella's gone, we're starting again. And everyone loved Resident Evil 4, for, you know, for obvious reasons. Resident Evil 7 was not revolutionary from the game industry point of view. It was another soft reboot, and my God, was it a a welcome change. The- themed keys, haunted mansions, puzzles, a proper stalker enemy, limited ammunition, item boxes, save room themes. Traps. Traps, uh, yeah. And genuinely, the only real criticism I ever have of it is the lack of diversity with its, with its BOWs and the, and the moulded. They, they all seemed a bit too samey. It's only when you kind of get to the DLC they get a bit different with the, um, the fumer and, uh, and, and, the, and the kind of white moulded and whatnot. But other than that, I think it was a fantastic experience. And I said before at the time, it's the, it returned for me that feeling of what, not wanting to play, not because it's bad, but because I was like, I don't really want to go on. I'm quite happy in this save room. Thank you very much. And, you know, and the jump moments, uh, you know, the jump scares were good. You missed out uh, the best return. What the was return that? of George Trevor. And the return of George. Well, what, well <laughs> I think it's almost a token now. Every game he gets a mention somewhere. How dare uh, he does. <laughs> I, I know when we did the RE7 podcast, it is still one of our kind of most popular ones in terms of downloads. So there's, that's why we kind of did an aftermath podcast because a lot of people thought we weren't as critical as we could have been, which is absolutely fair enough. So that's why we kind of covered it. But I think what Sean said earlier, it still holds up so wonderful, wonderfully today. I love it. I love it. And I still, I still think it's fantastic. Uh, Sean, you'd agree, I think. <laughs> I think it's masterpiece, Nick. It almost pains me when people say they don't recognise it as a Resident Evil title, whereas I, pre- I appreciate, you know, some people... We all look at a Resident Evil title for different things. To some people, it's the story. To some people, it's the characters. I don't think any game has really captured aspects of the, you know, like certainly the remake sort of era, as well as Seven has in terms of, you know, item boxes, ammo limitations, and, and you know, the return of the ECG and everything like that. And I know some people would say it's all superficial, but... To me, it worked, and the best memories I have of gaming in the last few years is running around the Baker Estate with themed keys for doors. You know, themed keys. It was wonderful, and I, and I know there's a whole chain, Texas Chainsaw Massacre aesthetic on it, and I know that some parts of it, are, you know, you're being chased by angry people swearing at you, and some people would argue, how is this Resident Evil? I can't honestly explain that in a way that would convince those people, other than, to me, it's just Resident Evil. It works in some level that this is the the perfect throwback whilst also being a forging power in a new direction 
it was everything the series needed and it took some pretty bad missteps to get there i wouldn't change it change a moment i i dearly love resident evil 7 and i wish i could convince more people of its brilliance and i think you know it's a i i would maintain and i'll state here and now i think it's a better game than village easily Yes, George. What's your take on seven? I'll be brief because I've already said a lot about it, and I agree with everything that Sean says. Just want to reiterate that people that are seeing the praises of seven are not saying it's it's perfection. I think it just comes from just our surprise shock that Capcom went just that far back into all you know, dialed it back to to all those classic pillars of survival horror that you know I've certainly followed the series to begin with. I think the mind section is a really weak stage. I'm not overly keen when Lucas makes his appearance. But I, I just think the moulded as as almost the base enemy of a fantastic development on the on the zombies. I think the boat section towards the end is one of the strongest last three quarter sections of, of any main game title. And for me, as you know, Sean says what people are looking for when they say they don't think it's a Resident Evil game. For me, it's it's in the gameplay and the aesthetic and the atmosphere and the feeling. And then for me, what comes after that and is secondary to that is that after over two decades there's no criticism of the character at all or that I don't feel any less emotionally invested in them but after over two decades I don't have a huge appetite to see the the Leons and the Claires and the Jills and the Chris's return again so I had no problem at all and I think, think people should have a more of an open mind to the new cast that we get. I think struck me was this really tone and atmosphere and I think it's the thing that holds that it's the glue of C that they had an idea and they just really executed that idea the best they could it's the antithesis to how six is everything in the kitchen sink they went right let's peel this back to the base core how can we make this work for gameplay how can we work this for puzzles for boss encounters for a you know a pursuer all those elements they thought about them and tested them really thoroughly before they finally put that whole thing together it feels and the, the result is the payoff there are things about it that are weaker than others i'm, I'm with gt on the mind section for example it, it, it feels very slapped on um as if it just needed an ending space obviously there was a lot of controversy around the chris redfield not redfield character there's criticism ethan as a character because the developers wanted more of a blank slate for you to be invested because you're in a first person perspective the first person perspective was slightly controversial in some respects but realistically the the sum of its parts is a very strong game and for me that's that's what matters at the end of the day it's a it's a, an atmosphere and a feeling of dread and, and kind of like you said, Nick, as well, kind of getting to a point where you're like, nah, I'm, I'm kind of comfortable where I am. I want to know <laughs> what's going to happen next, but I don't know if I want to leave the space, you know, or, and, and corners, you know, like going to a basement and there's a corner and you're like, you don't know what's going to be around that corner. And that's that sort of throwback to having fixed angles and not being able to look around the corner, but being able to do it in a perspective where you can look around the corner, but you're choosing whether or not you want how, what your approach is going to be. Am I going to run around that corner or am I going to slowly creep around in case something's there or jumps out? of? And I think those tonally are the things that really work. And, and I agree as well. I think it is a stronger game than Village. I like I liked it probably more than some of you. Yeah, but you know, I still think Seven is a is a better game as an experience. Um, it, yeah, being pursued by Jack Baker on Madhouse mode has so much tension and and, and offers all those elements that Romby was just mentioning about being stalked and being pursued and, and and hiding and the tension that there is in that that just completely supersedes the fact that you might that you're running from you know a sweary southern person because the, the gameplay just washes over that and so that was a real highlight for me and another highlight was watching Stars Tyrants stream 
seven in VR, the Marguerite Baker battle. Wow. Yeah, well, that's another good point. You know, the VR is still like lauded as one of the best examples of console VR, and yeah. I think it's still listed quite often by people even on VR platforms, and others as as like a great example of how to do VR right. And that's the reason why again seven continues to sell as well because it's quite often sold as a VR game. It's bundled them still with VR packs. And honestly, I will be absolutely shocked if the the new PlayStation VR two doesn't continue to support that and if they retroactively end up adding vr to a village because they know it'll continue to help sell that game when there's a new platform for it and if it happens if it doesn't happen i'd be more far more surprised batman final thoughts on seven yeah there's not really much more i can add i agree with pretty much what everyone said it's a great game i would say one of my most enjoyable experiences in the last 10 years of playing resident evil was probably the, my first playthrough after the scene at the dinner table where you take control of ethan and you're just free to explore that house your key quest again you're looking for items and it was just brilliant and it really is like rob said it's all reliant upon atmosphere and less is definitely more you know you're free to investigate that house you know there's no enemies in it apart from jack baker but you still always feel that sense of dread and it reminded me of first game in the sense that you would plot your way around the mansion because you knew where certain enemies were and you're always reluctant to go into the basement because you know that's where the molded are and it was obviously supplemented with some really strong dlc you know the daughter's prologue was very good not a hero was fine and uh, you know added some decent plot answers end of zoe whilst pretty poor overall was still quite atmospheric with the nighttime sections in the swamps and things some of the other elements introduced like the videotapes i thought were very good and i enjoyed the ship the ship section i've never really understood why the ship gets a lot of criticism i think it's one of the most atmospheric areas in the game Mm. you know when you're climbing up that husk and you see all like the congealed bodies in the mold like cocoon to the walls and things and the when you get to the bridge and you can see a whole view of the swamp it's it's really really good stuff and i would agree as well i think it's certainly a better game than village yeah love resident evil 7 that left a very startling impression on us i think and from that kind of like going forward survival horror to an extent was back and this is of course now leading in to what will become resident evil 2 remake hey guys rnz here again hope we keep them well The last 10 years of Resident Evil have been quite hit and miss, we've had quite the highs and we've had quite the lows, but one thing we've not had is a lack of content. Regardless of the quality of the material, it's great to have a constant flow of Resident Evil titles, may that be video games, CG productions, the live action stuff or even the comic book series, it's great to see such a want for this franchise. Now I'm going to focus on one particular title and for me it's the absolute standout title in the last 10 years, that's Resident Evil 2 The Remake. It's the reason I bought a PS4, the sole reason I got back into gaming after a long hiatus. I don't think I've ever played a better game for me, personally it's my favourite Resident Evil title and every time I play it I get lost in the marvel and majesty of the RPD. It's honestly a thing of beauty. I know that when it's put up against its original counterpart it doesn't even come close. But then again, would there be a point in that? Why compete with absolute perfection? I think RE2R is the perfect Resident Evil game to start someone new into the series. What's not to like? It's got everything there would be that I would associate with a typical Resident Evil game. Puzzles? Check. Memorable characters? Check. And I'd like to give a special shout out to Nick Apostolidis as Leon. It's probably the best version of Leon we've had since the late great Paul Haddad. Horror? Check. The best zombies I've heard in a video game and seen. Fear, check. Mr. X, fuck that guy. Hub areas, check. Planning your routes, check. A rocket launcher ending, check. You get my gist. The game covers a lot. Catcom have hit a home run here. This game 
done what it was designed to do. It got the general gaming public interested and excited in Resident Evil. I had countless friends asking me about it and countless friends who have taken it and played it and furthermore got into the series. To me that's an achievement in itself. 2018 was a barren year with no new canon releases. 2019, right at the beginning of 2019, we saw uh, Resident Evil 2 Remake hit stores. Well, without going into the kind of canon issues and the kind of retelling element, Resident Evil 2 Remake is a fantastic game. I'm just not sure it should have been a remake. I just wish it was a new one, a new game, a new telling. But from a survival horror point of view, for me, it, it proved you could do over-the-shoulder survival horror, albeit at the cost of slightly bullet-spongy zombies, but I think it is eminently replayable. I love the fact that it brought back a lot of the feeling of the original Resident Evil 2 game. I love the fact that I had to check the map and plan my route, knowing that I've left a liquor there. Making liquors strong again was brilliant, knowing Mr. X was running around as well. Resident Evil 2 Remake, on its own, just looking at it you know, as, as, a, as a product, as a bloody good game. It certainly left 2019 uh, with, a very, with a very very high, you know, positive outcome and feeling of the series going forward. But it's interesting remake too. It's certainly got a lot of kind of social media coverage. It's got a bit of pop culture as well, I suppose, just because of the love. And it's obviously selling very well as well. Batman, you kind of mentioned earlier about, you know, the kind of canon issues. But if we park them-ish, just wondered, did you felt it continued the trajectory that we were seeing with Rev 2 and then 7? Yeah, I thought it was, you know, a very impressive game. Again, it's no secret I wasn't a fan of, you know, I was dreading this game arriving really, but um, I really enjoyed it. I think I said at the time when it came out, if I wanted a quick blast on a on a Resident Evil game, I think Remake 2 was going to become my new default game. It was very, very enjoyable. I think it was the best representation of zombies we've probably had in the series. I just wish the, the sort of love and care and effort that went into the recreation of the RPD with the extra areas that added, I wish they'd just done that for the rest of the game i think i said on discord first half of the game you know the police station the streets and the sewers i think are pretty much spot on you know they're excellent it's when you get on the cable car to go to the lab that's when the game rapidly goes downhill for me i'm afraid but um i would agree it's it's an it's an excellent game and it's it's done a lot for the series it really has george trevor i don't know i just have a slightly more problematic relationship with remake 2 i i I think i'm just still too i don't know connected invested i don't know what the word is so in the in the originals i don't know if there simply isn't enough in the remakes to make me turn away from other Resident Evil titles that I'm just going to play before to so it's not necessarily that I'm not a particular fan of it I just think at the end of the day there's so many hours in the day you can play Resident Evil and I'm always going to I suppose it speaks to how they resonate with me over this game that I'm going to go for 7 over 2 and Revelations 2 and the original of 2 and 3 or I'm going to play Resident Evil 3 the original of that all day long before I pick up 2 but there is obviously something there to be enjoyed I've, it, it, yeah I recognise as Batman says what it's done for the series and it's opened it up to people who have then through the remake of two have actually then gone back and and wouldn't have played the hd remasters mm-hmm. uh, of the originals uh sorry of, of remake and, and zero so i i do enjoy the way it's opened up the community uh, and and also open up the community to new gamers to the series that are then playing the originals that i'm referring back to i think it was jarring with me that we had a whole new cast yeah maybe i'm just too invested in the past to to enjoy <laughs> Uh, the future Rombi well, the first thing I was thinking was exactly what you said Nick which is that from a from a perspective of like if they took this game and it was a game with this exact engine and combat and stuff and it was a new title I know 100% I would have enjoyed it 
like hands down like said this is this is perfect i'm more of this thanks please they obviously adjusted the bullet sponginess of the zombies when it came to remake three but for the most part you know it was it was a, a pretty tight piece of gameplay it, it really comes down to me like i was thinking about it the fundamental thing that is I, I like it as a game. I don't like the simplification of it. And it's not because I'm a canon... I'm trying, I was about to say apologist, but I'm not. I'm, 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 it's not because I care about the original canon being 100% accurate. What I'm thinking is that they, the, the point of a remake should be that your core concepts from what the original game should be there. So if I looked at the original games and I said, look, I want to retell the story, then there's elements to me that are missing that aren't even about the direct canon narrative. It's more about what those things are. So the fact that the game misses, say, the whole point of Resident Evil 2 is there's two characters and they've got this crossover story. Why does it feel like that crossover story doesn't really gel in the remake? It was such a core element of the idea of having these two playable characters in a scenario that essentially took place at the same time so why is that missing then again the whole idea of the zapping system which was supposed to be the one of the interesting core gameplay elements of the original version that seems like something no matter how you change this new version that should exist yet it is missing and then the a and b scenarios surrounding that zapping system they were very the reason why they were so amazing to people in 1998 is that games just didn't really do that a lot you didn't have that amount of content where a narrative could change based on player actions and who you chose first and again that's missing and so it's those elements i think fundamentally that undercut what the idea of what the game is that are missing from the remake that probably hurt me more than say and as much as i, I it pains me to say this when John tells us an entire narrative about what happened at the RPD, if that was in there, I'd love to see it. But if that's missing, I'm kind of like, okay, I can narratively see why you might pull back on some of that sort of storytelling. But the bits that should be fundamental to what made Resident Evil 2 Resident Evil 2, which is these are the characters, these are the enemies, these are the story beats, some of those things are in there, but then so should be the way those narratives play out and the interactions between those characters, because those are the things that you remember just as much as shooting a bunch of zombies in the RPD. So those are the things that, when I reflect back on the remake, and especially the same with 3 too, the remake of 3, they're the things that I reflect more that are gutting. I think that same reason is why players get upset when Clock Tower is missing from from three because for them when they played that original game some of the more iconic moments that they remember about playing that game took place in that location sure. it's not about the fact that it's, it's just missing it's the fact that those elements that are the important parts of what that game is to them are missing and so too for me is those interactions between leon and claire be it in person or over a radio that happen far more frequently in the original game that are almost non-existent in the ring but yeah i mean i'm happy to go back to it it's a fun playable experience and i hope that capcom continues to take that engine they use for those remakes to make another game an original game in the near future i will be there first day hands up saying yeah i want it i'll play it give it to me now take my money but a, de- a decent survival horror experience uh, Stars, what's your th- view on the remake or remake two? I was able to actually have a little bit of time to read very recently and came away thinking it's one of the best Resident Evil experiences, modern Resident Evil experiences you can have. I think from a gameplay point of view, it's masterful. As a remake, I hate it, and that's never going to change. My love for the OG is just simply too much. That game, the, you know, the original Resident Evil 2 defined everything I've tended to love about the original series, and this doesn't have that, but what it does have is a truly modern Resident Evil experience that i think really should be the template going forward it's just all the more disappointing that the immediate follow-up to this that's a smooth link that's a smooth link smooth segue because i think that's a nice nice way to end remake 2 
Hello there, JC Wesker here. So, uh, many of you will know that I'm the guy who loves 6, doesn't like Revelations 2 or 7, yet had an amazing time with Village. But my love of the series as a whole has always maintained and endured. And during this last 10 years, we've all witnessed Ari's second major gameplay shakeup, along with what I feel to be overall pretty impressive remakes of both 2 and 3. And as a result, the infancy of Ari that existed back in 1998 is now very much a more relevant part of the modern pantheon of video games. And whatever side of the fence people fall on with respect to any of Ari's titles, there's no denying that this series has proved to have an endurance way beyond what we ever thought would have been possible 10 years ago. 2020 we got remake 3 i don't want to talk about resistance too too much because it's not it wasn't wasn't really a separate release but remake 3 is di- it, it's strange isn't it because the og uh, 2 and 3 they're the same but different but different in a good way i feel that the remake it's the same but it's different but in a bad way it's quite hard to articulate quite why other than like the obvious oh there's things missing yes there is but i, I it just ha- it just has a different feeling and and you know we we've, we've we've touched upon it before nemesis in the original was basically taking Mr. X and making him 10 times better, 10 times scarier, 10 times more intimidating. Mr. X was very intimidating in Remake 2, and Nemesis, just there's just not enough of him in that mode. He just felt more of a nuisance and an annoyance because so much of it was set pieces and cutscenes and Jill falling off buildings like it was a bouncy castle and things like that. And it was very much roles reversal for the for Mr. X and the Nemesis. I think Mr. X was a better Nemesis, but I, it is a strange thing. Again, it's, it is fun, Remake 3. I, I thoroughly enjoy it and I think it's a really good pick up and play game and you can, you know, it's well structured, I think, for what it is. And you can play, you can go, I'll, I'll just do the town section now or then I'll do the sewers. It's quite well put together but there is something lacking and it's, it, I find it quite hard to really drill down what's lacking about it but uh, overall, I, I find it a very fun experience which is very the same as the OG. It doesn't quite have the charm of the original Resident Evil 3 and we know how much of a um, miracle that was putting together um, I don't think it even has the charm of the Resident Evil 2 remake that's one of my other issues with it it just it feels very rushed it feels a product by numbers it doesn't even have feel it doesn't feel like it even has like quite the level of passion and craft it does on on one level when it comes to like and you've talked about this in the past like the fact that there's like a lot of files and there's a lot of narrative background but from a from a perspective of like the story beats and the characters look at the opening like the opening scene is actually with with Jill is pretty good but then like the whole thing with Brad like non-existent you, you, you leave him behind and you, that's it there's a great chance to really tell like a really interesting narrative even if it was a cut scene at that point but they choose not to they just let you run on and Brad's demise you don't know what it is until later on he turns up he's a zombie gets shot by inside the RPD it's like there, there's constantly those missed moments but it doesn't feel like they're missed moments because of the, the situation they feel like they just chose not to go down those paths because it was going to be too much work and so it feels like even less than the remake too where there actually does feel like some areas have some really good effort put into them like you know mr x we've said this before mr x acts more like nemesis yeah. in the original then nemesis acts more like mr x in the original and it's to the detriment of nemesis in the in the remake it's like how can you get that so wrong you got it right with mr x in the remake he just needed to be that again everyone would have been happy i love the hospital scene bar the shootout at the end i think the whole 
the expansion of the hospital was very much appreciated and the best, easily the best part of the game and the most similar to what you see in re- in, in Remake 2. But John, I know you had issues with the Nemesis in, in Remake 3 in the way in the way he was kind of orchestrated bipedal mode, quadrupedal mode. I think the way he looks to begin with, I think he looks really good. I think it was a really, really good redesign. He's quite intimidating in the early stages of the game, but you're right, he mutates far too quickly and he's just not in it enough. But I actually think Capcom have always underestimated how much the fans loved the original Resident Evil 3. I think that's very apparent in this remake because, you know, it does feel like it was rushed. It's certainly not got the attention to detail that Remake 2 had. And it is, it's a disappointment, the final product. I agree with you, it is enjoyable. The hospital section's good. I actually think the Carlos section in the RPD is really good. And I appreciated the extra touches they put in with having the liquors in there and things. And they did do a few more crossover things with Remake 2, with like Marvin and Branner and things, which I appreciated. But yeah, it's disappointing because it should have been better than what it was. It was just too short. Sometimes the, the attention to detail is really impressive and then other times it's not like the perfect example was that building that you end up fighting the nemesis on nemesis on that's on fire and you go back to remake two and it's a completely different building it's not a building under construction it's like you had time to get that right this you could have easily changed that very late in the development of resident evil 2 when you realized this was going to be an element and you didn't and it's like to me maybe one of the other big crimes is like they obviously plotted ahead with making remake 2 but obviously at some point late in the development of remake 2 they made the decision right if this does as well as we think it's going to and we're going to we're going to make remake 3 and we, we're planning it now they had perfect opportunity to really start co-developing ideas about those things where those crossovers were going to become more blatant and they completely just didn't do it like there are some but there was great opportunity to have remake 3 if you were going to change it as drastically as they kind of do that you could have done some really cool interesting things with it now having this example of what the environment that this version of Raccoon City is going to be like in, re- in remake 2 and again it's like the fun of the boards where, where again i feel like remake 2 has a lot of effort put into it and it kind of shows and then remake 3 is just kind of by the numbers and there's some great moments yeah don't get me wrong i love the hospital for the most part except for the shootout as well i liked the rpd returning to the rpd which i totally didn't expect they're good, good moments but the, the game is short and it, it has issues and and they overwhelm what is good about it to me george what was your take on remake 3 very similar to what's already been said and what was the biggest disappointment for me was initial signs coming out and what was being said and that that wonderful demo that we got i thought this was going to resonate with me a lot more than the remake of two the original for me i actually prefer to the original of two i think the og resident evil three does everything that that two does and then just improves upon it i think the carlos i mean sorry i'm gonna get into a review of why i love the original that's not why we're here sorry so yeah i did you, i'm sure i would love to hear what you guys take on this the, the demo i thought was fantastic and seemed to be so much promise but then the finished product yeah it just felt so small i'm not kind of going to beat it with a stick just for not having certain iconic locations if the locations that we had got had been very strong we didn't i know people talk a lot about the hospital area as being a highlight i suppose it was but then for me personally it was a highlight of many low lights so it didn't Mm. resonate strongly with me and again i thought the hospital section my god stands out so high in the original particularly i think that that whole carlos mini section when you first enter the hospital there's so much atmosphere and actually i remember saying this on the podcast and uh, you guys kind of disagreed with me that I, I thought they sh- I wanted to see more carnage in the hospital like you see when you first go 
episode in the original and Carlos like looks around and just can't believe what what he, the scenes that, that meet I, him. I yeah. think the reason we, we we disagreed about that was not so much that you didn't see the carnage because I, I think you're right. Like when you look at the environments in the original, there's like stuff that's been knocked over and sure enough, it seems like people have been in a panic. Mm. But I guess there's areas where like there's blood on the walls and stuff. And I, I think it was just like the environmental storytelling is somewhat lacking in some respects yeah. in, that, in that front. Area. The demo thing's a really good point. Like that demo is so tonally off the main game because yeah. obviously it is a segment of the game, but it's the only segment of the game that plays like that where you are open to moving around a lot more, whereas the rest of the game is a much yeah. more linear narrative and it's so misleading. And then you compare that to, say, the demo, you know, which is not part of the game, but is part of the game for Seven, and it plays as a, a prequel to the events, but totally gives you the right atmosphere for what the final game is. It gives you a couple of puzzles, gives you some scares, gives you some narrative, that's some backstory about some guys that are in the same location. Like, that's the way they should be executing their demos, is either craft something and they did it i guess they kind of tried to do it again with village a little bit too with the maiden demo which is a much more sensible way i think it gives you a taste of what the gameplay is like on a fundamental level as i.e exploration and first person or whatever it is without misleading you on what it actually might be like as an experience even sean do you have broadcastable comment well remake three nick what 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 is there to be said that hasn't been said already other than i think looking back at it now you know years later i, d- I don't think time's been overly kind to it i don't think the fam- fandom's been overly kind to it and it's mostly warranted all it had to do when it w- was just follow up what hard work that remake 2 had and whilst we've discussed its issues as a remake remake 3 doubled down on all the problems that remake 2 had as a remake but also give us a sort of strangely abridged gameplay experience as well. And I don't just mean in terms of an adaptation of a classic game. I mean just in every way. It, it, it's such a confoundingly disappointing entry into the series. And I think when time looks back, it will be seen, honestly, as one of, if not the lowest points of a mainline RE Engine game. I don't think I'm too outrageous in saying that. And look, certainly looking back, although I, you know, praised aspects of the gameplay in terms of like a, a still fun dodge mechanic, I don't really have any great desire to replay it again. And it still frustrates me to this day that they couldn't even just get like basics right. Like, you know, for example, the street as you come out of the RPD and it's totally inconsistent to what happens in Remake 2. And it's made around the same time. What a frustrating experience it, it is, it has been and will continue to be uh, I just think it represented a real misstep I think in the series and it feels I've said this before it feels so grounded bizarrely in RE6 DNA yeah a strange strange confounding disappointment thank you very much So, that concluded 2020, and perhaps a first sign of a bit more action-orientated elements creeping back in. What I really want to focus on is the course correction that this franchise has made. I think after 6 and the spin-offs, this franchise didn't know who it was anymore. And from a fan on the outside who loves this series so much, I even felt like Resident Evil was on life support. Then we had Resident Evil 7, which to this day I think is one of the scariest games I've ever played. The remakes, I know y'all love to shit on RE3 Remake, but it is a fun game and it is beautiful. The RE engine should go down as 
one of the greatest game engines of all time. And I think RE8 has left the franchise in a really good spot. I do wish we had Revelations 3, but there's always hope. But in the last 10 years, I feel Capcom has done a really terrible job of making the original games accessible. They're either stuck on original hardware or emulation, and I know the remakes were supposed to replace them, but, but that's a disingenuous way to respect the legacy. So here's hoping in the next 10 years we get access to the original games in a more accessible way. And that, of course, led us into 2021 and the big star of the show with Resident Evil Village. Um, obviously, we've, we've only touched upon this very, re- relatively recently, so I don't want to spend too long because obviously you can listen to our old podcast on that. And we did, we did quite a, a lot of coverage on it. I think what I want to focus on then with Village and I want to incorporate Infinite Darkness into it as well is, is, is now where are we now with the Resident Evil series? Where have we got to because of the last two releases? I don't actually think Infinite Darkness helped us in any meaningful manner i i think it it, it barely adds anything to the to the storyline and that's not necessarily as a detriment i just think that's inherent of all the cgi films that they're just kind of there it's very hard to get emotionally attached to them because they they offer very little uh, in terms of uh, progression of the storyline perhaps if infinite darkness was set just before or after resident evil village it might have been uh, a bit more interest going forward and they could have easily done it with the soldier storyline but anyway village then in terms of where we're at with the series is interesting because we have clearly gone back to a bit more action orientated and and Rob you mentioned this a bit earlier that they they felt that you think that Capcom felt from their perhaps surveys and demographic that they that they do want to add a bit more action to that to, to the beats that were very popular in seven and village it's very hard to judge because it's probably in the middle trilogy but Rob what what was your take I mean I think it's a case of like they're obviously going to continue this I, I think the idea of the trilogy makes sense and that's where they really want to go. It kind of goes back to what I was saying before. I, I, in some respects, I would rather prefer to play a, a new game in the style of the remakes than another third, yeah, sorry, another first person game first. But if it's also going to, they say this is going to be a trilogy games and this is going to wrap it up, then I'm, yeah, I don't know. It's a, <laughs> I wish I had a really definitive answer for you, Nick. It's not an easy. No, it's, it's not. not easy. I mean, personally, I found Village just about the right level of action for me combined with survival. <laughs> hot elements i think it was bordering on a bit too much and i i, I coped with i cope with it i thought it was good i think it had it moment and i love the storyline with ethan i still maintain it's the best internal story of any game since five um i know people disagree with me but i, I very much resonated with ethan's struggles in this game not that i get chased it, by a 12 foot lady but never mind <laughs> well i was gonna say see problem with villagers we're gonna separate obviously out the 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 memeable uh, event that became Lady D and the fact that obviously a lot of people were disappointed when they realised that obviously they Capcom and we talked about with this with Anthony of how it wasn't really planned that way it just kind of happened she was just you know a character and then obviously she didn't stick around as long as people were expecting because that wasn't the way she was planned my concern with that is like will they try and double down on that sort of idea and be like well you know, this worked and everyone was really popular so let's like make more of that sort of stuff mm. or will they I don't know because it's kind of hard I, I hope they don't I hope they go I, I don't want to quote this but i hope it's not like the konami equivalent of like pyramid heads so all of a sudden if capcom goes well you know we had this really tall overbearing woman last time 
can we do something else again down those lines? I'm going to, we're all going to sit here and roll our eyes. We're just going to, yeah, oh yeah. my God, why? Do, don't repeat yourself. You, you did it. It was successful, but repeating it is only going to diminish the what it was and you're just going to end up looking stupid. So I would rather they, they didn't and just look, move narrative forward, move, move forward. But we left for that question after Village, you know, the, the last scene of the, the game. When, when does that take place? How long after the main events of the game is it? Is it years or is it literally not as many years as we think? Does, you know, does she, age faster and it's not actually a decade later you know de- you know 15 plus years later and then yeah but then of course as someone else said earlier on as well like it leaves those questions about well it wasn't actually it was gt talking about how you know it's nice to have a, a different character and narrative but then it also leaves un- stories untold where you're like well what ended up happening with the bsaa and what ended up happening to chris and leon and jill and barry because while i don't necessarily need to see them in a game as the main headliners i would like to know that when they got to ride off into the sunset batman what about you where do you where do you see the series going now we're taking into account village 2021 i think in in going back to your original question i think they're going to go down the action route again not to the extent of resident evil 6 but if the storylines go in where we all hope it's going to go as in chris versus the bsaa versus umbrella versus the connections i think if you're going to weave that kind of storyline you know, the gameplay is inevitably going to be more action-focused, I think. I'll be surprised if they go back to the likes of Resident Evil 7 and that extremely slow-paced sort of stalker gameplay. I don't think they'll go back to that extreme. Village, for me, yeah, I enjoy it. I think the highlight for me is the village itself as a location. I think it's really, really brilliant, and the game looks beautiful. The snow-covered landscapes, and I really love the changing weather effects throughout the day as well, um, which gives it a whole new layer of atmosphere every time you you go outside. But the characters were a letdown for me. I, I do not understand the big deal about Lady Dimitrescu. I just I don't understand where this craze has come from. I just don't get it. It's it's mad. And likewise, the other characters, Heisenberg, Moreau, Donna, don't really understand the big deal about them. I know you love the storyline in this game, Nick, but I just think it's it's really jumped the shark. You know, <laughs> I, did, I did. It definitely. I did like the uh, the BSAA stuff at the end, but oh, yeah, I've, I've I've not played Village for several months, and I've not really got any desire to go back to it. But it was it was a good game, but Resident Evil Seven is far far superior. But for for Resident Evil Nine, I would like uh, I'd like them to resolve the, the the plot lines and finish the trilogy. But I'd personally hope for a more slow paced game. But I think inevitably it's going to go back towards the sort of Resident Evil Five action route. I'm afraid. George, same question. What do you think of Village and where do you think we're going to be seeing the series progress in the next couple of years? I, th- I think it's a real shame that a, a game, that the Village with that section that, that Batman just mentions, the actual Village itself, the aesthetic, it, it looks so beautiful. And when you approach Castle Dimitrescu and it's almost like a entering the RPD moment when you see it and the, the bats in the background and it's wonderful. It's beautiful, yes, uh, uh, and so is the interior of the castle, but that's superficial because the gameplay is just so lacking and the way that the game is structured and the characters that are then placed within that structure are just for, for me batman makes a, a good a phrase that, that resonates with me jumping the shark there's too much of that but it's such a shame that it's just so easily forgettable now for all those reasons when i think about some of the highlights walking so it's well wading through the blood up up to my knees in that section the underground section in the cellar with the wraiths 
that are coming at you for me was it was a highlight the other uh, aesthetic that the blood and illuminated w- with the candlelight looks absolutely wonderful but within that is the gameplay that matches that the, the survival horror gameplay i this game would have would have been up there with seven for me if you literally removed all of remote and removed all of heisenberg and it was i mean house benevienta yes really resonates with me but for all the reasons silent hill does and for some people, there's no place uh, for that psychological horror in in Resident Evil. But for me, there is. If you'd asked me the question about where I think the series is going at the beginning of this podcast, I would have given a more succinct answer. Because after this podcast, I feel like the word Sean used to describe the flaming zombie in Welcome to Raccoon City. I'm so bewildered uh, <laughs> now because I, I, it's such a shame. I think I agree with batman i i cannot see after all the noise that has and the 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 money that's come with that that capcom have made from village that they're going to go back to seven i just can't see them doing that edit this bit out the only reason john the reason john can't see the 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 the, the big deal about lady dimitrescu is he's not 12. i have to bite my lips so much to just be respectful to to the um that's a, that's a cold GT. <laughs> no, 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 that's why I want Nick to edit <laughs> it out. <laughs> I, I don't want him to do that. I don't want him to feel the full wrath of the internet for that one. Sean. For me, what Double Pack of Biohazard and Village brought us was akin to a fresh start. And I know a lot of people in the in the fandom don't like you know fresh starts because they want to see the heroic characters returning and things like that. But I genuinely found the Ethan side of the story a real breath of fresh air, and that continued in Village. And I, and I found Village for all of you know I don't actually have many problems with the game still to this day. I was only replaying it quite recently and realised how much of a polished and enjoyable experience it is. And I'm still really invested in Ethan as a character. I think he's across the two games done very well. But then when Infinite Darkness came along, it kind of just wanted to drag the series back to this sort of bioterrorism angle which which village felt like it was doing a bit of a fresh spin on infinite darkness feels like it's more of the sort of it, it came from an era that was more akin to like what resident evil 6 was doing i think its placement in the timeline is bizarre it would have probably been a better experience to see it tie in with village a little bit more Com, you know compliment village uh, and what Village is trying to do in a different way. With regards to where the series is going, I don't know whether the big sort of cliffhanger moment of Infinite Darkness between Leon and Clara Love would be followed up, really, uh, unless they do a second series, and you know we're, what, half a year on now and still no news of anything of the sort of that. And with Village, you like to think that with Village being a direct continuation from Biohazard, RE9, whatever guys, whatever gameplay style that ends up being, will follow on the BSAA using bioweapons plotline. In terms of where it goes as like a video game gameplay experience, I, I, I genuinely don't know. The series as ever is complicated in how, how to predict where it's going. And in one sense, that's really good because it, it, it can be fresh. But then in other ways, you could just have another remake 3. Where it's a rushed, and let's say you know aspects of Village haven't gone down terribly well with everybody, you know, with the fact that it basically turns into a Doom clone at the end. So there's already a slightly murky direction within one game of like what what is the next game going to be? Is it going to be a you know skulking round a castle, you know, in a classic sort of puzzle solving style? Is it going to be a PT style horror? like Beneviento, or is it going to be Doom Eternal? And I think that's one of one of the problems with Village, is that toward the end, I don't think anyone could really define what this game wanted to be anymore. It, it puts Capcom in a very confusing place, because by all accounts, Village has been a success for the most part, I think, safe to say, critically, and it's done well yep. commercially. 
But what kind of message does that send to them in terms of where to take the series next as a as a gameplay point of view? You know, I think in terms of a story, we know where it's kind of leading to with that cliffhanger. But I think Infinite Darkness, if anything, has muddied the waters a little bit by going back to that point in the timeline where it did. And if you were to ask me what's coming next, I, I legitimately have no answer. And whether that's a good thing or not, I think was in, is in the eye of the beholder. For the people who like to embrace new ideas and surprises that's kind of cool but i think people screaming for jill to come back might be disappointed yet again yeah i want jill back <laughs> it's it's that's a hard that's a hard question to answer and i don't think any i don't even think capcom might have the answer at the minute to be honest so there we go that kind of concludes our look at the last 10 years of biohazard and the last 10 years of the resident evil podcast we hope everyone has enjoyed that and i'll look at the you know where we think the series may go and the general ups and downs that uh, we will experience as fans but we now turn our attention to this podcast edition of neptune's biohazard quiz 25 years of resident evil 10 years of the Resident Evil podcast. Expert knowledge is needed in what we call the quiz. This is my only opportunity for a point this week. Uh, I'd just like to announce everybody that uh, this is zero points <laughs> for me this week. Thank you. <laughs> Bye-bye. We've talked about the games straying too far from the origins. This Resident Evil quiz. We're now getting Spice Girls as the correct answer. I mean, it's time to quit. Welcome to Neptune's Biohazard Quiz. What? What kind of question is that? Hello and welcome to Neptune's Biohazard Quiz. We've got five questions, some from Patreon. If everyone can clear their desktops, let's go. So the first one is rather appropriate. It's a question from 666 Ned Flanders. Interesting, considering what we've spoken about earlier. In our Resident Evil 6 review podcast, myself, Batman and Stars Tyrant all gave the same score for the game. <laughs> what was it? Jesus. Does that have us at a disadvantage who are not Batman? Yeah, I, I was going to say, yeah, if you can remember this, get this personal score, that gives you a massive advantage. We should get, if, we're, if we're the people that didn't that didn't give that score and we get it right, we should get double points. Yeah, good, I, I agree with that. Pulling the GT card on this. <laughs> I'm going to have to go back and listen to this. This better be right. But so this is go. the score out of 10 for Resident Evil 6. 6, yeah. That was, so, that, so that was you, Sean and John. Yes, we all gave the same score, apparently. I'm amazed I gave this score, but there we go. Question number two came from Jordan Osiris. What is Ethan Winters' day job? 
Another question from Jordan for question number three. What is the name of the cafe on the promenade deck of the Queen Zenobia? So that's where Rafi fight the Skag did. That's quite difficult. Question number four comes from Vito. What is the name of the jazz band that Lady D was seemingly <laughs> a part of? Oh my god. So Lady can, D was in I a jazz make, band. I can make certain guesses, but... I, I can't remember the event. I know where this is. It's at the start of the bloody game, too. Um... It's, it's not going to be the big Double E, is it? Um, sorry. <laughs> 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 that's a very good. That's a good. I, that's I very good. You should have said that. That should have been your answer. That was <laughs> so, question number five. Another one from good old Jordan. In Resident Evil Two Remake, what four stuffed animals can be found in Chief Irons' back room in the orphanage? Oh. There we go. Join us after this, and we'll run through those answers. Hello there, JC Wesker here. So, uh, many of you will know that I'm the guy who loves 6, doesn't like Revelations 2 or 7, yet had an amazing time with Village. But my love of the series as a whole has always maintained and endured. And during this last 10 years, we've all witnessed Ari's second major gameplay shakeup, along with what I feel to be overall pretty impressive remakes of both 2 and 3. And as a result, the infancy of Ari that existed back in 1998 is now very much a more relevant part of the modern pantheon of video games. And whatever side of the fence people fall on with respect to any of Ari's titles, there's no denying that this series has proved to have an endurance way beyond what we ever thought would have been possible 10 years ago. Question number one then was in our Resident Evil 6 review podcast, myself, Bats and Stars all gave the same score of the game. What was it? Batman, what did you put? Well, I honestly can't remember. But even though I had issues with the game, I liked it more than you did. So I find it hard to believe that we gave it the same score. I know! <laughs> I can't think I would have given it anything lower than a... See, I want to say six, but I don't think I'd even have gone that low. I would have said seven, but then I don't think you would say seven, given how much you hate it. But I'm going to say seven. Rombie? I had the same thoughts, exactly. John's thoughts matching mine exactly. And I thought I thought oh, it would be really funny that you gave it six for his name was six, but I think it's seven. I'm, I'm, I'm fairly confident you guys all gave it a seven. Okay, George Trevor? Well, without the inclusion of Batman and, and Sean, I would have said three so i'm just trying to think what is the most you possibly would have given there's no way you would have gone above five the other guys the other guys said seven didn't they mm. i wouldn't i wouldn't have even said six but then six i, I there's no way you would have i don't even think you would have gone about six but i can't believe john would have gone five it's six there's Got no way six. you would have said seven how could you have done that rant and then gone to seven if you did you're disgraceful that's fiendish because i seem to think i was a lot warmer on it as you guys but then to find out you I, i've given it the same score as the stumped me so did i actually give it lower than i thought <sighs> i'd like to think i'd have given it a seven it is seven. Oh my god <laughs> <laughs> apparently, oh, apparently. That, awesome. oh, that rant was just a you being a diva. Obviously, you gave it, you gave it a seven. Obviously, you must have during the course of the conversation through the episode yeah. must have weighed by yeah. some arguments by others about things that you hadn't thought of. So the things that you did hate, you're like, man, eh, maybe they weren't as bad as I originally thought. And you're like, yeah, seven seems. I know, I know. <laughs> Question number two is what is Ethan Winters's day job? Uh, I seem to remember he's just literally described as some sort of analyst or administrator. Uh, I, I, that's the ad administrator. Rombi. I know it's something to do with IT. It's like system something or other. A system network 
person, specialist, IT professional, I can't remember, but it's something to do with network engineering or network systems or something. Batman? He's a systems programmer or systems engineer. George Trevor? I had no idea. That sounds so sort of dully sort of true although oh dear someone on on the crimson head team does that for that's what batgirl does sorry batgirl are you looking for a new staff member soon <laughs> <laughs> but now, that sounds right but i had no idea it's a good question because i'd never even thought what his uh he was so vanilla i didn't think what he did no no idea it's system engineer. Question number three was, what was the name of the cafe on the Queen Zenobia that you see on the promenade deck? Batman. Oh, I don't know. It's, it's something French. It's Le, Le something. Oh, I, I honestly can't remember. Le, Les Miserables. I don't know. <laughs> George? I don't know. Do I get a point for saying, isn't Skaghead one of the only BOWs who speaks? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> isn't that the one that chases you around saying something weird I, at you? Sorry, yeah. sorry, GT, I've already pulled the GT card for this episode. You're not allowed to do it again. <laughs> no, I've got no idea. So that's uh, what you fight. I honestly um, couldn't remember this, so I've just gone for, you know, one of those sort of quintessential, you know, pub names you get on trashy English coast places. So, the sun and moon. The sun and moon. <laughs> Romby? I have no idea. I remember the fight in that thing, and I freaking hated that battle because I felt so trapped in with all those stairwells and platforms around all the shopping areas. No, mm. no clue. No clue. Batman was close. It is French. It's Café de Louvre. Oh. Excuse my accent, as always. But yeah, no, that doesn't make sense. So, no points there, never mind. And Vito's question, what was the name of the jazz band that Lady D oh. was part of? We'll come to you last. George, you remember? No, um, like I said, the big double E, I don't know. No idea. <laughs> Batman, did you know? I think it's Lady D and the Paul Boys. Um, given how they've um, saved me in the past in this quiz, I'm going to say the Spice Girls, Nick. <laughs> the Spice Girls. Okay, Rombie. I know the CD is in the start of the game in Village, and it is Miss D and the something, and I cannot remember what it is. And now that, now that John so confidently said the Pool Boys, I'm pretty sure that must be it, but I didn't have that. But I'm pretty confident it's Miss D, not Lady D. Oh, bollocks. So, yeah. So I think I've got half of it that he didn't know and he's got half that I didn't mm, know. Well, I was only looking for the pool boys, uh, really. But yes, <sighs> it, it is, yeah, Miss D and the pool boys. But yes, yeah, so a point to Damn it. Man. <laughs> but well done. Well, do, well done, John. That's yeah. very good. Awesome. And then finally, uh, question number five. In Resident Evil 2 Remake, what four stuffed animals can be found in Chief Irons' back room in the orphanage? An alligator, a giraffe, a zebra and an elephant. I'm actually, you know, to play the Claire scenario at some point over the next few days if I get time. And it's just this this question has just fallen the wrong side of that, Nick. Batman. I've honestly no idea. I really can't think. I'm just going to have to guess. Eagle, mm. tiger, <laughs> I don't know, pig, <laughs> beaver. <laughs> George. You're in need of uh, a point. Well, yeah, it's, I'm going to get zero for the second week running, and it's not fair because I don't know. I'm just going to think about what was in the original office. I'm going to say eagle. How many was it? Are there three? Four. 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 Eagle, eagle, tiger, bear, and this is a guess, moose. Moose. Oh, okay, interesting. Rombie? I'm going to go bear, like elk, or like deer. I was going to say beaver, but I don't think beaver. I think there's definitely something smaller, but I... I can't put my finger on what sort of freaking animal it is. I have no idea any more animals other than those two. Those two I'm pretty confident about. I'll just go... God, I want to say pig as well, but it's silly. <laughs> I don't know. I honestly, I can only get those two. I, I can't okay. even think of 
the animals that would be mounted. Um, I don't think there's anything exotic in there. I think it's all. I, I could be wrong, but that's the reason why I'm struggling. Is I, I'm pretty sure there's unlike the original, it's not exotic animals. That's correct. Neither of you are correct. So yes, it's the back room in the orphanage. So we were looking for a fox, a raccoon, an owl, or an armadillo. We didn't get any of them. <laughs> An armadillo. <laughs> Raccoon is so stupidly, dumbly obvious. <laughs> like, the one probably should have got. Oh, I see. Uh, I I knew it was. They it wasn't like exotic animals like in the original. It was all like local wildlife. That's the only mm. thing I because I was like, there's nothing like a tiger or anything that would have obviously stood out. But they're so blandly unobvious that I completely just forgot. <laughs> so let's have a look at the final scores and this week's uh, winner is Batman with an impressive four out of five. Awesome, thank you. Well done. And in second place is Rombie with two. Excuse me, three, seeing as I didn't, uh, I didn't uh, know your score. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, no, right. Hang on, I didn't get points that. for that. I didn't get four, Nick. I got. I didn't get the revelations one either. You need to uh, check your math. <gasps> oh yeah, sorry. Three, yeah, sorry. Mm. Uh, so, so we're week... tied. 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 John. Oh, I feel better about that now. <laughs> <laughs> so let's have a look at the. Let's have a look at the final scores. So this week's winner with three out of five is officially Batman. Although Rob randomly gives himself a double point uh, <laughs> for a score I had to guess, as opposed to the people who should know their own scores <laughs> for a score so with a joint three out of five rombi and batman are oh, this week's winner. So congratulations <laughs> could have happened to a better person absolutely yeah, well done Rob. <laughs> <laughs> join us next time when we'll have more questions Thank you, everyone, for listening. That was a very long, but I think quite interesting podcast there covering the last 10 years. Up next, as we've teased earlier, we are looking at a retrospective review and look back at Revelations 1. So if everyone can get playing on Revelations 1 on their console of choice, we'll be delving back into the mysteries surrounding the FBC, BSAA, and the T-Abyss virus. So that's something to look forward to. But I'd like to thank everyone uh, for listening and, of course, everyone for joining us for the past 10 years. It's been a pleasure. On that note, I wish everyone goodbye. So it's goodbye from me, Neptune. Goodbye from me, Batman. It's goodbye from me, Stars Tyrant. Goodbye from me, George Trevor. And goodbye from me, Rombie. Hey, RE Podcast. Congratulations on 10 years. That's fantastic. Keep up the good work. Um, I just started listening to REP about last year and immediately fell in love with everything about the series and all the good that you guys do with the series and I'm glad I could be here to see you guys get the 10 year mark and I'm excited to see another 10 years coming up. RAP, keep doing your thing, we'll be listening. Hey everyone, AJ here. Uh, I've been a long time lurker on the uh, Discord and some of you may remember me from the older RE website. It's really good to be on this Discord and a very happy 10 year anniversary to the Resident Evil podcast. Looking forward to 10 more years, 10 more games, 10 more movies, and 10 more years of Vito's questions on the podcast. Let's get some more Spice Ghost references in there, guys, okay? Have a good one. Vito here. I just wanted to congratulate the cast for 10 years and hopefully we have 10 more years of your fantastic 
podcast. Have a good one, guys. I discovered your podcast and I was hooked. I get all excited when you go deep in the lore. The part where Batman said that this Brendan Bailey file still haunts him really stuck with me for some reason. This fucking file. Here's to 10 more years of the podcast. See ya. Single podcast, a happy 10th anniversary. 10 years is a really long time. And rock on on that though. Hey, what's going on, Rep Podcast? Happy New Year. Happy 2020. Keep up the good work, guys. Happy anniversary to the Resident Evil Podcast and many, many more to you guys. Thank you for everything. Love you lots. Guys, happy 10th birthday. I can't credit you guys enough for the work you've done, uh, from the podcast to the Discord to the many fantastic features in the website. The content that you have produced is incredible, and I'm grateful. So here's to another 10 years, guys. Keep them coming. Thank you. Hello, everybody. Mr. Smiley here, wishing you guys a happy 10-year anniversary and what a 10 years it's been. We've had the best of times, Operation Wrecking the City. We've had the worst of times. Resident Evil 6, and maybe Operation Raccoon City to some other people. But regardless, we have a nice big horizon for future Resident Evil games, maybe some new Resident Evil movies, and it couldn't be better. So keep at it, everybody, and keep on listening. of the 10 years man a massive congratulations to you and the, the guys it's uh, it's absolutely fantastic to listen to so keep up the good work happy 10 year anniversary to the resident evil podcast you guys have really built something awesome and every time a new episode drops it makes my day congratulations on 10 years and keep the good stuff coming i just want to congratulate you guys on 10 years of a wonderful podcast uh really enjoyed all the episodes and all the content you guys have, you know, on YouTube, everything. Um, yeah, thank you for all your hard work. Um, here's to 10 more years, and thanks, guys. Hey, I just wanted to wish you a happy 10th anniversary. Uh, keep up the good work, and can't wait to see what you come up with next. Uh, happy anniversary, Resident Evil Podcast. You guys got me through all of the, the lockdowns, and uh, yeah, you, you guys are the best, and just wishing you all the best for the future. Well, happy anniversary, chaps. You made it to 10 years. What an achievement. Go, you bloody good things. I don't know if Resident Evil's gonna be around for another 10 years, but we could probably bitch about it for the next 50, eh? Cheers. Happy 10 years, Resident Evil Podcast, and here's to 10 more. One of the most joyous parts of the last 10 years is, quite simply, Rep itself. Now way more than just a podcast, which I started listening to in 2012, typically while wandering the streets of Shanghai. I feel very proud to be a part of the Rep Discord, as it's easily the best little pocket of the RE community that exists. And, well, it's like a second home. Great discussions, great banter, and great friends. And let's not forget about the website. 
a towering monument to RE law, and if no one else has already said it on any of these call-ins, congratulations, Bats. I mean, it's a truly incredible piece of work, and something that should always, and in my opinion will always, deserve only the highest of praise. Anyway, that's as concise as I can be. Surely a Wesker deserves seven minutes, but there you go. Congratulations, guys, and here's to the next ten years. The Resident Evil Podcast.